Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. are listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gal. Gal. <laughs> we've gotten like several emails just in the last few days, which like we've gotten several of these emails over the years, but like lately especially there's been an influx of emails of people being like i'm from texas or like i'm from you know australia the the panhandle yeah (laughs) but my family i listen to your podcast so much that now my family is asking why i I sound like i'm from minnesota Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's our fault it's because we have waterboarded you with our accents for the past five years. <laughs> Fresh waterboarded. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, Love yeah, it. Yeah. Who are we? Oh, uh, I'm Kenyon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's back. I'm back. I was back at the last episode, but now yeah, I know. We're just still excited. I'm still back. She's still with here. With my back. Bye, back. She doesn't have a seriously traumatic pregnancy again. I'm yet. not pregnant <laughs> anymore, and I will never be pregnant again. And that feels amazing. And yeah. my baby is super cute, super cute. And Jeez, I literally dreamed about her last night. I know it's so uh, sweet. Amanda uh, dreamt that she was holding my baby. Uh, sweet, our Esther. collective baby, our baby. <laughs> uh, and I'm Lucy. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm Amanda. What do you mean there's too much chit-chat at the top? It's fine. <laughs> and another thing about my baby. Not and kidding. another thing. Um, I do actually have a quick anecdote. Not about my kid. And it is relevant to the show. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, do you want to announce the topic first? No. Oh, okay. it's not relevant, not relevant to, the to the topic. Great. It's just got relevant it. okay. to the show oh, in general. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. 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 So, uh, my father-in-law, my in-laws were just here visiting said baby. And uh, my father-in-law who listens to the show, Kenny is an avid listener of the show. Hi, Kenny. Hi, Kenny. But obviously he doesn't listen closely enough because Mm. he he thought I was you. Guess what he put in? The motherfucking dishwasher. (gasps) No. Which one? The new FP one? No, she doesn't. The old FP one. Oh, oh that's worse. Oh, it's a vintage item. My collector's vintage, item. Original collector's item fucking patriarchy wine glass now looks like a very alien tiny vase. Boo, Kenny. Boo. <laughs> I and think I have, I have an some, air plant in Sonia's room. I think that. I have some extras squirreled away, but okay. like. Two extras, so I Bill put one of my new ones in the dishwasher, and before it ran, I saw it on the top rack and took it out, and now mm. we are no longer getting married. Yeah, <laughs> and now it's all called off. <laughs> so I guess I'm in, I'm announcing another breakup publicly on our show. We'll make <laughs> propose Bill. <laughs> Just kidding. For now. So anyway, I have a I have a photo of my 
unique FP wine glass that I know yes. other listeners have sent in their photos. Yes, mm-hmm. you can join the ranks of the sad melted <laughs> wine and cry flexible wine glass crew. We should make earrings. Oh my god, done. <laughs> oh. Done. With air done. plants in them. <gasps> I should put an air plant in it. That's what I just said. Well, yeah. Oh, that was what that's all we said. Okay, so I'm excusing you briefly because she was not part of our most recent live show oh, or our right. second most recent live show. Mm. Where we had mm-hmm. a bunch of accidentally melted wine glasses for sale, and we're like, they're perfect for air plants. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. Yes. So there and, you go. Now I have couple, my own. And a couple mm-hmm. people did buy them, and they actually are perfect for air plants. So if you, listener, <laughs> also had a partner who put your fucking wine glass in the dishwasher, mm-hmm. yeah. get yourself an air plant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An FP and soak it once holder. a week. <laughs> oh, All right. God. Perfect. So moving on. To uh, the topic, which is a very special gals pick, because we fucking earned it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So brought to you by us, the gals, and we have selected the topic of cop-on-cop crimes. Yeah, it's not like we picked a real lighthearted one. No. You'll know my gals pick, because it's coming up in Uh, a couple months, and you will know mine. This is... Definitely a Lucy Gals pick. I mean, it's a bizarre phenomenon. Also, police in general, as an occupational subsect of society, are extraordinarily violent. They Mm -hmm. soups are. And we'll get to it. Oh, yeah. And and also, Lucy found my case and sent it to me. So thank you for doing that emotional labor for me. That's kind of why I chose this topic, because I I read that article and was like, Jesus. Jesus. Well, we will get it's to a lot. it. It's brutal and weird. Okay, Amanda. Yeah. Booze us up. What's our wine crime pairing? <laughs> oh, no. So, um, <laughs> oh, no. Maybe it's because I am just clinging to the last whispers of serotonin in my <laughs> depression-addled brain. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. (laughs) But you know what I wanted to drink today? As I sat by the Christmas tree finishing up my notes. I hope it's not vodka. Eggnag. Yay, it's the nag. It's the nag. I want nag. I'm not usually a nagger, okay? Mm. Like, I'm not done for the nag. Mm. However... I, something's changed. I'm it's all in. Good. I'm all in on the nog now. A good nog? Mm. Now, this wasn't a great nog. It was a good nog, but it wasn't a great nog. <laughs> and um, I thought it would be fun to talk a little bit from PBS.org about the history of eggnog. Okay. Because right. it's very strange. Nog on Ooh. nog crimes. Nog on nog crimes. So nog on wood. Nog on wood. <laughs> Most culinary, don't, I'm (laughs) nogging off. Most culinary historians agree that eggnog began as a passet, which is a hot drink of sweetened and spiced milk curdled with ale or wine. Yes. Yeah. That's what eggnog is. I know. Curdled. Yeah. Yeah. That's like what thickens it. It thickens it. That's part of why it's the it's like knowing how the sausage is made. This is why I don't didn't love the nag, but now I'm (laughs) 
choosing to embrace the nag. Are you all in on the nag? I'm all in on the nagnol. <laughs> so it began as a passet during Britain's early medieval years, but beyond that, there are many uh, differing opinions regarding the origins of the festive drink. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, passet was a drink made of hat milk curdled with ale, wine, or the like, often sweetened and spiced, probably to cover the sour curdled flavors. Whoa. How are we spelling posset? What are P-O-S-S-E-T. you saying? P-O-S-S-E-T. I looked Ooh, up posset. the pronunciation and the definition because I also was a confused. Weird. Down the line, it may have been monks who added in the whipped eggs. Monks, goats, monks, coffee, pass it, whipped eggs. <laughs> nag. Nag. Goats, monks, coffee, nag. Nag. <laughs> they are also said to have thrown figs into the mix. Mm, what that we actually don't... sounds dope. Sounds so good. Bring me that figgy pudding here. We go. <laughs> What we don't know for certain is that Passet was more popular in the upper classes due to the expensive price of milk, eggs, and sherry at the time. Mm -hmm. It's likely, but we don't know for certain. Because of its hefty price tag, Passet was often used in toasts (laughs) to good health and prosperity. Price tag. Price tag. As eggnog's popularity began to wane overseas, it found a new following in the American colonies. Many American families had their own farms to supply them with the milk, the eggs, uh, uh, all needed to whip up a nice batch of eggnog. You sound like the veteran social studies teacher at Chaska High School that that won the Lifetime Teacher of the Year Award. I love eggnog so much. I work here now. So Sherry and Madaria were also not easy to come by in the colonies. These liquors were replaced with less expensive and more widely available whiskey and eventually rum, which is what I prefer in my re- nag. It's got yeah. some sweetness to it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm a oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. rum. Say less, fam. I'm a rum nag gal. <laughs> so according to Kitchen Records. Tell me you're a rum nag gal without telling me, tell me you're a rum nag gal. Red oh. nag. Oh, Rudolph red the nag. red nag reindeer. Red like, oh, yeah. nag. Red, 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 red nag. <laughs> yeah. Get it? Red Acor- nag. Yeah, it took a minute, but I got it. <laughs> I got According it. to Kitchen Records, George Washington served an eggnag-like drink to visitors <laughs> at Mount Vernon, complete with sherry, rum, and rye whiskey. Mm. By the 19th century, eggnag was associated with the holiday season, a tradition that continues to this day. Mm. Did you know, this is my last tidbit, <laughs> That Americans love eggnog so much <laughs> that it caused a riot in 1826. Wow. <laughs> the great eggnog riot of 1826. Prior to that year, cadets at West Point upheld an annual tradition of indulging in spiked eggnog during their Christmas festivities. The tradition was challenged when newly appointed Superintendent Colonel Sylvanus Thayer forbade the consumption purchase, and storage of alcohol at West Point. Mm. Instead of adhering to Thayer's new rules, cadets smuggled in alcohol from nearby taverns. Some even traveled across the Hudson to be sure they had enough whiskey to get them through the night. (laughs) 
They are at a feeling that the cadets might disobey his orders and sent two officers, cop on cop crimes, <laughs> to look out for any unusual activity. And the night took a roady turn, complete with broken windows, fights, and more than a few hangovers. Wow. Oh, more than a few. Oh, yeah. In the end, 19 cadets were expelled and perhaps not surprisingly, West Point no longer hosts a large holiday celebration. <laughs> <laughs> the ruckus event will forever be known as the Eggnog Riot. Yeah, they, they, they can't handle the nag. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like nickel beer night at that baseball yes, game. Yes, yeah, which mm-hmm. I think has been a dollop episode and is mm-hmm. and obviously your drunk dive and so mm-hmm. fucking good. And uh, my I incoherent drug dive. It was it was an epic. It was, yeah, it really was an epic. It, it was, was too much sport. I was so it, it, drunk and over it. The nog would approve. Mm-hmm. And eggnog may have gotten its name. We actually don't know this for sure, but it might be in reference to noggins, which are wooden mugs once used to serve drinks like pass it. Which kind of makes sense why noggin. Would yeah. also be like for your, your head. head. And oh. why you knock on your forehead if you say knock on wood, but there's no wood around. Yeah. You're knocking on your noggin, which used to be a wooden mug. Oh, it all circles back. Can you friggin' believe that nag had this much influence on our entire culture and society? I nag can't is- friggin' believe it. <laughs> it's I know. basically the Shakespeare of drinks. Anyway, yeah, I, uh, for real. I I linked this article <laughs> in our notes, which I believe means that our amazing uh, Andrea will have them in our resources page. It's not, you know, entirely lengthy, but it is quite interesting, all the history of <laughs> NAG. So I appreciate PBS for uh, for hooking that up. And, and cheers, everyone. Cheers. cheers. Anyone that else was... drinking anything fun today? I'm drinking a cold cup of coffee from four hours ago. Yeah, your life is sad. What about you, Lucy? <laughs> I'm, I'm drinking some Kim Crawford Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, Kim. Our girl slash actually it's uh, a guy, Kim. Our girl, Kim. <laughs> our girl, Kim. <laughs> Whatever. I love our girl, Kim. <laughs> love her. Love her, him. Basically, we are all Love very her. much uh, on point right now. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I also popped a gummy. So this is going to get real weird real Ooh, fast. Oh, good. Oh, well. Yeah. In the meantime, Lucy, what's our background <laughs> and probably psych for cop on cop crimes? I mean, I didn't really go into the psychology because it's fairly apparent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a lot about intimate partner violence on this show before. And a lot of my research is going to focus on just that. But I want to clarify at the top that police officers in general have chosen a very difficult job, which is taxing both both physically and emotionally. And there is a whole hell of a lot of toxic masculinity in that field that all all too often prevents officers from getting the mental health support they need in order to function as an actual protector of their communities. I agree with that. And also, wasn't there research recently that shows that, like, literally school teachers now have a statistically more dangerous job than police officers? Uh, Yeah, I think so. (laughs) There are lots of jobs that are statistically more dangerous than being a police officer. Not to say Mm, that being a police officer isn't dangerous. Just just for real more dangerous. Literally not statistically. What do you mean? Like numbers. Like what are you talking about? Like military? No, like deep sea divers that do shit. 
Long haul truckers. Long haul truckers. Ice road, ice truckers. Yeah. Oh, there are a more lot of dangerous. Like, yes, okay, yes. I get. Okay, officer. sorry, I misunderstood. Yes. yes, yes, yes. I was like, "What are you questioning?" Yes. <laughs> there are a, there are, there are a lot so of dangerous, many more dangerous jobs than being a police Lucy officer. Lucy reveals her Blue Lives Matter tattoo <laughs> on this episode. We're all podcast shambles. Yeah, um, I would drive. Off I a thought cliff. you were saying something else, and I was like, "No, I'm about to disprove right. you." But no. I was. To- I totally misunderstood. I'm oh. so sorry. <laughs> okay. I think I just heard a podcast. I think it was an ologies episode about like sanitation and apparently like mm. city sanitation workers have a much higher. That's a dangerous fucking job. Death rate. Like I at, bet. On the yeah. job. Ugh. People yeah. like. I'm just shooting off the top of my head here, but like electricians, for example, mm-hmm. that guy in St. Paul a few weeks ago who had his oh arm ripped God. off. Oh my God. Yeah. Mm. That was a freak fucking scary accident. But a lot of electricians have to like climb really tall poles or yeah, like fucking be... linemen. Are you kidding me? Yeah, the no. linemen. Mm-mm. I yeah. am a lineman for the county. Anyway, I didn't All we're do... saying is it's not that it's not dangerous. Right. But also. A lot, a lot of, of things the right are dangerous. like to inflate it as the most dangerous job, and it's fucking not. I will <laughs> say there there are operations within this occupation that of make course. it more dangerous if than it like has a SWAT to be. Team, right. Or than it well, has yeah, to be. Yeah, they make it. Well, of course, and also just the fact that they like like I think there have been studies done where it's like the more that trainings are harp on the danger of the job the more likely it is for police officers who have undergone those trainings to get all trigger happy yes react emotionally and be afraid of oh I don't know black people and like a basic traffic stop like yes there is inherent danger but also like your job is not just to like protect yourself and like be on guard at all times because like obviously that's going to lead to shit. It, your mm-hmm. job is to serve your community. There's I mean, a- yes, but that's actually a slogan. There's nothing in their job description that says they have to, like, do any of that. Well, it's also, insane. like, there is a very apparent, like, military to police work pipeline. Oh, yeah. So yeah. a lot of a trauma. lot of police officers mm-hmm. carry PTSD, various yep. traumas. Also, their military training, which rightfully so is like protect yourself and your team at right. all costs which and that the does same not apply with as community a traffic stop exactly yeah exactly but if you're approaching a traffic stop on that kind of high adrenaline high alert because you've yeah. been trained to do that mm-hmm. shit's gonna go down yeah you're gonna and see scenarios differently than they maybe are. You're just not correct. going to. It warps your reality. All of our experiences warp our reality. Every exactly. single one of us. Yep. So exactly, Dr. Phil. My next line is, a person is not inherently violent because of their occupation, mm-hmm. just as a person is not born a police officer. So this right. Blue Lives Matter slogan is absolute bullshit. And I- it's nonsense. You can take off your uniform. Don't become a cop. You can't unblack yourself. Correct. Like, it's ridiculous. You, can't, you can take off your uniform. You can't take off your God-given skin color. Yeah. So there are. Also, ho- it's also just dangerous to have it be this whole like brotherhood us right. versus them. Mm-hmm. Blue, yeah. gang, the, blue, the blue lives thing. Gang mentality. Like it, no yeah. other profession 
besides maybe the military, does that to such an extent, and uh-huh. it has really dangerous consequences yeah. for people in the out group, which, newsflash, is all of us. Right. I would I mean, argue yeah. also that like the military has less of that in-grouping mentality because it's like the whole nation rather than like their community and their department. Mm-hmm. You can do more damage when you're protecting somebody in a sm- much smaller pool mm-hmm. than if it's like in the in the military, which it's is not like to say more, that it's not also a problem. But it also makes a lot more sense in the military where you are in active combat and like protecting each other is survival. Well, it kind of depends because like, a lot of military situations aren't active combat, but they're treated like active combat and then sure. a lot of civilians die and then we don't actually track or report on their deaths and then of you course, and I don't hear I about not, it. I'm yeah, not yeah. like they're saying both that there are not issues with the military. <laughs> right. I know. But it just makes that training makes more sense in a military situation than mm-hmm. it does in a domestic police in at, mm-hmm. min, at fucking Deep Haven has yeah. like a <laughs> right. tank. Yeah, it's like yeah. y'all don't need a fucking tank. Well, yeah. those lines just keep, like you've like we've all said those lines just keep getting blurred, and those two worlds get keep keep getting pushed closer and closer together mm-hmm. because the trainings are starting to draw from each other. Mm-hmm. It's it's this pipeline of personnel. It's this pipeline of actual military grade equipment, mm-hmm. and also we- just like a person's comfort within a certain situation. Because of course, it's going to be uncomfortable for an active military person. To then switch jobs, get back into civilian life and become like a police officer. Mm-hmm. They're going to be exposed to more things. You're going to have to work through those things. But it, the easier answer is to just completely militarize your police force. Mm-hmm. And that's not great. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So there that's are- our soapbox. It's fine. My case doesn't really deal with any of that. I wanted mm. to no, have the, a break. The, I mean, yes. My my segment is heavier on this shit because I mm-hmm. didn't really know what else to talk about for this particular yeah. topic. And it's kind <laughs> of hard to talk uh, about yeah. the background and psych uh, of like a system that was literally built on like slave enforcing catching, slavery right, yeah. right, without getting into some raw dark shit. So we get it. And so- I also just want to say like we get a lot of emails from people who are like my brother-in-law is a cop and he's a nice man. My brother-in-law mm-hmm. and my father-in-law were cops. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I get it. That is not what, like, like take a step outside of your own yep. little world. Yep. Because we've all had to. We were we all grew up as white women being mm-hmm. socialized to think, okay, go to the police. The police mm-hmm. are there to help you, blah, 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 blah. But you have to take a look at the larger system Mm -hmm. and who it is benefiting and who it is harming and you need to be able to separate i know joe joe is nice he does a good barbecue Mm -hmm. from what is actually like what the what's in the picture what is in the meat (laughs) Mm -hmm. do you know what i'm saying yes absolutely absolutely i do on a personal level i know Mm -hmm. what you're saying it's Mm -hmm. like ted bundy worked at a suicide hotline center that doesn't mean he was and a nice... also murdered people right like a lo- like multiple things can be true mm-hmm. it's complicated mm-hmm. and there's not one answer which is right. why it hasn't been solved yet so there are a whole lot of factors that have contributed over time specifically in this country 
to the rot of the system that is law enforcement as it exists today. Mm -hmm. All of that said, about 22% of people in this country will be assaulted by a partner at least once in their lifetime, Mm -hmm. which is already an atrociously high number. Mm -hmm. So do you guys remember back in like 2014-ish when the NFL player Ray Rice was caught on camera beating his wife in that elevator? I do. And like drug Mm -hmm. her by her hair? Mm -hmm. Yep. And so that led to, like, dozens of other NFL players being accused and reprimanded for that type of intimate partner violence. Mm -hmm. And the NFL responded by either fining them or suspending them or, in pretty rare instances, banning them entirely from the NFL. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there was opposition to that punishment. People who were saying, why should a person's home life interfere with their ability to do their job? Oh, my God. Who the what kind of fucking psychopath was saying that? A bunch of NFL dudes. People who make millions and millions and billions and billions of dollars off of sport. Uh Uh-huh. And the the only reason those punishments were that severe is because... There was such an uproar because there was that specific video. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if it hadn't been on video and it had just been reported on, there would not have been Mm -mm. a thousand consequences. Absolutely. Look at Herschel Walker. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I know. He fucking held a gun to his wife's head. And we Mm -hmm. know this. And he doesn't deny it. Mm -mm. And he could be our next senator from Georgia. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. All right. So there was a huge outrage about all the NFL, like, suspensions and also lack of suspensions. So there was just this whole big kerfuffle back in 2014 <gasps> about— Kerfuffle! There we go, kerfuffle. Thank you. Um, so it might surprise you that given— <laughs> like, I mean, obviously, just kidding. Given sense—I <laughs> felt it. <laughs> I also say kerfuffle in my case. I, oh, perfect. Well, I, I just feel like I haven't gotten a good kerfuffle in such a long time. <laughs> you haven't had your kerfuffle ruffled in a while? No, I was overdue <laughs> to get my kerfuffle ruffled. <laughs> so given all this outrage within the NFL, whether or not it was like the this person was suspended or not suspended or whatever, it might surprise you that the rate of intimate partner violence within the NFL is actually statistically lower than that of the general population. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that actually makes sense. Think of how much, like, first of all, you're in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Second you're making of all, a lot of money, so you don't have the financial stress. And also, like, think about how much aggression you're getting out as part of your job, like, on the field, you know? Mm, sure. No, I mean, I'm not saying that that's like, I'm speculating entirely, yeah. but I'm not like super shocked by that. No, mostly I think the because of the, the, the spotlight thing is like, yeah, the most. And like, yeah. yeah, financial stress can can stress relationships, but it is not a cause of domestic violence. No, no, of course right. not. But it could be an aspect of it. Right. And so if you couldn't guess where all of this is going, given our... Episode topic. topic. Families of police officers suffer domestic violence at rates two to four times higher than the general population. And funny, they're the ones responding to all of those calls. We'll get to it, baby. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the ones that they choose to respond to because legally they don't have to respond to any of them. Right. Get to all of it. I (laughs) have a very, 
very brief anecdote, but I used to work, I was a temp for a long time and I was stationed and I won't say any other details, but I was stationed at the front desk of a low income housing uh, community. And I would often be a liaison when there were issues that needed to be reported on the property. And we had to contact police because a woman had been assaulted on the property by her husband. Mm-hmm. And the officers responded and like knew this person, the person who had assaulted his wife, and basically like drove her around the block to cool off and then just dropped her right back off. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Very common. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Or the victim gets arrested. Yep. Because they're hysterical or they provoked it or mm-hmm. they, you know, you can't. Defended you know, themselves. They defended or, themselves. Or both parties were drunk. So they're yeah. both at fault. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So obviously this rate of the two to four times um, more at risk of intimate partner violence by for, with a family of a police officer is a problem in mm. itself, but it's compounded exponentially by the fact that these officers are the very people who are in charge of confronting, stopping, and bringing justice to these situations. Mm-hmm. So as we've obviously covered, if, for example, your husband is a police officer, has been on the force for decades, is buddies with his whole department, you mm-hmm. probably know the other people in that yeah. department. Mm-hmm. And he beats the fuck out of you. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Like, who yeah. would you call for help? Mm-hmm. If any occupation necessitates a zero tolerance policy when it comes to domestic violence, it's cops. It should but, be. but no, they get fired more frequently for weed possession than physical because victims abuse. are fucking terrified, mm-hmm. and because that's if they not even, even that's not the only brave enough to come forward, uh, no one they're. Uh, Girl will get believe to them. it. Girl yeah. will get to it. <laughs> so a lot of my, the rest of my background segment is from this article in The Atlantic, which is really fantastic. I'll link to it in the citation notes as always. But mm-hmm. here's a quote. If there's any job that domestic abuse should disqualify a person from holding, isn't it the job that gives you a lethal weapon, trains you to stalk people without their noticing, and relies on your judgment and discretion to protect the abused against domestic abusers. Fucking bringo. Mm -hmm. According to the National Center for Women and Policing, which... Uh, women and policing. Busy. Here They've we got go. a lot on their yeah. hands. There, yeah, this is the biggest, busiest organization <laughs> in existence. A lot on their plate. Would uh, not envy them. No. So according for this <laughs> center, quote, two studies have found that at least 40% of police officer families experience domestic violence in wow. contrast to 10% of families in the general population. Yep. 40% versus 10% in general. Yeah, that's nearly half. Yep. And that's just what we know. That's I was just, just going to say, we'll that's get, all that's able to be corroborated we'll, and reported. We're going to break this all down. Oh, it's so scary. But that 40% number is horrifying. It's and, jarring. And when I Googled police officers' domestic abuse, there the whole first page of Google was like, is 40% really the number? And mm-hmm. so I dug down to like the raw evidence. This is this is where this number comes from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A third study of older and more experienced officers found a rate of 24 percent, indicating that domestic violence is two to four times more common among police families than American families in general. 
-hmm. Cops typically handle cases of police family violence informally, often without an Mm -hmm. official report, Mm -hmm. investigation, or even checking the victim's safety. Well, because it's not real good for optics to be like, oh, Officer Larry Bird, who showed up to help you. Larry Bird. I don't know. I don't know why I did Larry Bird so dirty like that, but that's just what popped into my head, okay? Larry Bird's kind of a Larry B. Old Officer Larry B. And then I forgot where I was going with this. Well, then another cop would sh- <laughs> another another cop might show up and be like, "Lair, oh, yeah, what the fuck's that, the big deal? Like, settle down, sober up, go home. But not Let's even, not talk like about the, this the, because you know how, especially now the police are all over fucking social media. Every fucking local police station has their own Facebook group or whatever, trying to make themselves look like Mr. Cool Guy. Mm-hmm. And then you get this public, you know, you can look up these police report, like look up. You know, court records. If they're filed, if, if anything's filed, filed. But assuming all of it is actually happening above board, it doesn't look very good to a police station for their cops mm-hmm. to have been arrested or charged with domestic abuse it's when they have to respond to those boys calls. Club Brotherhood to yeah. snitch so of course they're gonna cover on each other. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of talking to the victims of like, you know, oh, they're, you know, it was just this one-time thing. Do you really want them to go through all these consequences, these repercussions? They're going to hurt. Also, they're like, going to lose. He's going to lose his job. It's going to hurt the or, family. Oh God, you, you might lose your kids. Or also, like, did you did you push him? Also, like, okay, maybe I pushed Listen him like away. To this new season of Something Was Wrong. Kenya. Oh my God, it's so good. You will lose. Your I've downloaded it. I haven't ever listened yet because mind. I have no time anymore no i get it and like yeah. don't listen to it while you're holding our baby right. but you'll you know. throw her through the yeah, window you won't you would never <laughs> but you will not be well yeah yeah the summary continues saying this quote-unquote informal method which it is informal method mm-hmm. is often in direct contradiction to legislative mandates and departmental policies regarding the appropriate response to domestic violence crimes Finally, Mm -hmm. even the officers who are found guilty of domestic violence are unlikely to be fired, arrested, or referred for prosecution. Yeah, they pay a fine. No, not even. It's just covered up. It's just buried. It goes away. So this is from a 2013 (sighs) investigation by the New York Times. Quote, in some instances, researchers have resorted to asking officers to confess how often they had committed abuse. One such study published in the year 2000. The year 2000. Oh, God. <laughs> it was 22 fucking years ago. Don't. God. Uh, I don't even have enough nag for this conversation. <laughs> I remember that New Year's way too clearly. Oh, really oh, vivid. Kelly's basement. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. were at the same party. Oh, yeah. Were, was that the night you and I both made out with the same person, or was that a different party in different, Kelly's basement? Different party. That was Halloween. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you're right, because we went on the trampoline. Yep. 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 <laughs> oh, I was going to I was going oh, yeah. we we to say, tramp. I don't think there was trampoline involved because it yeah. would have been the middle of winter. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. But I, I definitely you. remember doing shots in Kelly's closet. Yep. Ew. Oh, I yeah. didn't do shots that night. No, she knew you would have narked. No, I would have. <laughs> I, I was a huge narc in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. I was blissfully unaware. <laughs> blissfully. I remember her leaving the room a lot so oh, yeah that, that makes it uh, it's all clicking now she went to powder her nose yeah <laughs> we talk me. about narcs we're talking about underreported <laughs> cases <laughs> whatever we were anyway 
No. You're so if you're not sneaking and oranges. If you're not sneaking shots in your friend Blelly's basement house party in the year 2000, I don't even know if you're 11. <laughs> I was Get there. I just, it wasn't drinking. I wasn't there yet. No, it's fine. It was I, like four years away. We're good. <laughs> obviously, okay. this didn't affect our friendship in the long no. term. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So one, one such study published in our year of the Lord 2000 said one in 10 officers at seven different police agencies admitted that they had, quote, slapped, punched, or otherwise injured a spouse or domestic partner. That is so One in 10 just really admitted, admitted it. <laughs> Self-reporting. Oh, yeah. James, they this don't even a- think it's a problem. I'm mm-hmm. Okay, I have to clarify. I am not laughing because I think no. this is funny. I am Fucking- laughing because if I don't, I will burst into it's tears. Absurd. It's so jarring. I, I, it gets okay. so much worse, y'all. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> A broader view emerges in Florida. Mm-hmm. No. Which, as we know, has one of the nation's most robust open records laws. It's mm-hmm. why they call it the Sunshine State. An analysis by the Times, uh, the New York Times, of more than 29,000 credible complaints of misconduct against police and corrections officers there so in So big Florida old sample size. Strongly suggests that domestic abuse had been underreported to the state for years. Mm-hmm. Get this. This is fucking crazy, this next part. After reporting requirements were tightened in the year 2007... Requiring fingerprints of arrested officers to be automatically reported to the agency that licenses them, mm. the number of domestic uh, domestic abuse cases more than doubled. Oh, oh so that means that God. half were just covered up. Wow. At least half. At least half. So from t- uh, 293 in the previous five years to 775 over the next five years. Wow. This analysis also found that complaints of domestic violence led to job loss less often than most other accusations of misconduct. Cool, 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 cool. So, cool, quote, cool, cool. cases reported to the state are the most ser- are the most serious ones, usually resulting in arrests. Even so, nearly 30% of the officers accused of domestic violence were still working in the same agency a year later compared Mm. with 1% of those who failed drug tests and 7% of those accused of theft. Wow. Can you fucking... Ugh. I can't. I fucking Uh, cannot. It's it's on purpose. It's by design. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. They want the kind of person who's going to be fine, ab- like abusing their spouse. They yeah. just don't care. Mm-mm. They don't care. No. So an academic study highlighted by Police Chief Magazine relied on newspaper reports for its universe of 324 cases of officer-involved domestic violence, or OIDV. I feel like Police Chief Magazine would be a cesspool. <laughs> Imagine the ads. I it's like Alex can't. Jones level. Oh, like well, the amount of fucking like stupid fucking knives. The, what I'm citing here is ads in that magazine. What I'm citing here is an academic study which was cited by Police no, Chief Magazine. Yeah. But no. also imagine the cologne flaps in... <laughs> yeah, we're just talking about the magazine itself and how nasty it must be. And it also, like, the so amount bad. of, like, private 
gun sales, like oh, ads yeah. that oh, run yeah. in those kinds of magazines. Yeah. The cologne powder. Mm-hmm. Taxidermy. I'm that's a look at that's the, amazing. The overlap with like hunting shit in police oriented like publications. Well, of course. It just makes the guns into sport. I know. But and it's then it no- gross. completely normalizes it's it. It's really gross. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Okay, so here is what that academic study found. Quote, the cases involve the arrest of, okay, so again, there are 324 cases of officer-involved mm-hmm. domestic violence cases. Mm-hmm. The cases involve the arrest of 281 officers employed by 226 police agencies. So most of them were in different agencies. Mm-hmm. Most of the cases involved a male officer, so 96%, Employed in a patrol or other street-level function. Mm -hmm. I also saw some stats. They were really outdated, so I didn't include them. But basically stats that said that officers who were involved in a narcotics unit were way more likely to be violent domestic abusers. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're they're put under the radar amongst very vulnerable populations who do not have many people looking out for them or advocating for them mm-hmm. and are given a free pass to play Be fucking, shady. Yeah. Play fucking Grand Theft Auto mm-hmm. and act like just, mm-hmm. you know, the power of to, of t- treating people that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how that to leak over into your personal life. Yes. Mm-hmm. It permanently affects your, the, the psychology and like physiology of your brain the cortisol you are not the same anymore after that kind of no deeps it's brainwashing yeah it's really horrifying oh what was that movie i watched oh the stranger on netflix oh have you watched it yeah so who's in it so it's an australian movie so i had to turn on subtitles because i cannot understand oh no I could not understand. But I don't want to tell you too much because no. it's 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 good to unravel it as it goes, but it has to do with undercover detective yeah. work and it's really intense and really good. Okay. Yeah. So right. you should watch The Stranger. I'll check it out. Okay, back to this quote. There were 43 supervisory supervisory officers <laughs> arrested for an OIDV related offense. One third of the OIDV victims were the current spouse of the arrested officer. Mm-hmm. Close to one fourth of the victims were children, mm. including a child or stepchild of the officer or children who were unrelated to the arrested officer. Mm. There were 16 victims who were also police officers. Simple assault was the most serious offense charged in roughly 40% of the cases, followed by aggravated assault at 20. 20- 20.1%, forcible rape at oh. 9.9%, intimidation at 7.1%, murder or non-negligent manslaughter at 4.6%, and forcible fondling at 3.7%. Wow. Well, all of these crimes are just, you know, those little, you know, when kids make those little, like, cutouts of paper that are just little people holding hands. Yeah. That, like, entire list is just a little chain of paper cutout people holding right. hands. You don't yeah. stop at, all... You don't stop at fondling. Yep. Yep. You do not. Mm-hmm. All of those things are so closely interconnected. Yep. Mm-hmm. That this does not surprise me whatsoever. Well, so God forbid they get away with something so minor. 
Mm-hmm. To the point where it escalates into something really super gonna major. You're really going to ruin his life because he was peeping at you through a window? Because he Who raped a peeped? woman behind a dumpster, but he was a good swimmer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're really going to ruin that poor boy's life? <sighs> anyway, so we know from this report that, one, these cases go underreported. Mm-hmm. Two, these officers are given the benefit of the doubt. Always. And three... Even after... By being found guilty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We will get to that in my case. There's a Mm. lot of, like, sympathy for the perpetrator in my Mm -hmm. case. Well, Mm -hmm. and also three, even among officers who are charged, arrested, and convicted of abuse, more than half of those kept their jobs. Oh, yeah. And even the ones that get fired probably can just pick Go up to a elsewhere. different department or something. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Become a private investigator, get a security level position. There's, or even just become a, a cop at a different precinct. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not going to follow it's you. It's not like they it, would, per, like not all of them like permanently lose their license to no. practice law it, enforcement. It should, it should be like a lawyer. Like you should be disbarred. Yeah. yeah. You, there is no license. Like you could be barred from being a cop, but well, like, there, yeah, you can't there's like a license, lose. but I think it's per like jurisdiction, State. like per right. Yeah. yeah, right. It's not like you can't, you can't, yeah. I, it's different. Than it's a, not like, like a the bar. Or it exactly. should be disbarred. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, it fucking okay. absolutely should be. So there will be more than four semesters of school required. There, I said it. So right. absolutely. So the rest of the segment. My segment is about a news story that just came out fucking today because I was telling my brother-in-law what I was writing about for tonight's, for this recording. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, that reminds me. I just saw something on CNN. And I looked it up and I was like, oh, fuck. So oh, shit. Okay. I will now be reading verbatim an article from CNN that just came out. A right. former Virginia police officer believed to have murdered a teenager's family in Riverside, California after catfishing her online was killed in a shootout while trying to flee authorities say, the city's police department in a news release. Jesus. The ex-cop was identified as Austin Lee Edwards, age 28. I have a photo on the drive, which will be on the blog. He is real creepy looking. Mm-hmm. Of North Chesterfield, Virginia. Oh, no. I'm yeah. scared. Oh, no. Am yeah. I too high? Oh, no. Am I too high for this? Mm, just oh, do it. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. No, that may not. I? What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Not great. He's an ex-cop. He's 28 years old. I would have a thousand percent profiled this man and been like, no. Well, he can't. Okay, so just let me tell you the story. Detectives said they believe Edwards had met the teen teenager through ca- uh, uh, through catfishing I, online. Nope, mm-hmm. I had uh, nope. So she didn't know what the fuck. He no, I didn't. I'm like. not. Bla- I just meant as the the hiring manager for that oh, police yeah. force. Mm-hmm. I would have profiled oh, yeah. him and been like, "Our thousand percent. Our That man has." Dead fish eyes and so many dead bodies under his porch. And mm-hmm. like incel smirk. Oh, plus yeah. dead incel- fish yes. eyes. Yes. Slack jawed. Yeah. yeah. Oh, also that weird shape, the upside down pear shape of his head where the forehead gets so much wider. Yeah, the weak chin. It freaks me the fuck out. There's it's something very scary about a weak chin. Yeah. This is one of the most horrific looking men I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, let me weave the tale of the rest of his life because yeah, it's horror. He's dead now. Here I we go. Know the horror. <laughs> Officers with Riverside Police were dispatched on Friday, which was 
three days ago as we record this, to check the welfare of a young female who appeared distressed while getting into a red car with a man. Never get, well, first of all, never meet a man. Second right. of all, I bet it was a red Mini Cooper. Probably. Well, because fuck No, this that's guy. too expensive. Yeah. He bought it used off Craigslist. Ish. It had like the, 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 the what's it called? Cracker Jack, what it's called. Yeah. The Jack. Sure. The, the, the British Union flag. Jack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cracker Jack. The Cracker Jack. <laughs> I mean, while officers Where's were the lie? while officers were responding, <laughs> <laughs> while officers were responding about this woman getting looking worried getting into this car, nine one one dispatchers began getting calls about a fire in the same neighborhood just a few houses away from where the welfare check originated. Hmm. Very suspicious. Firefighters discovered three adult victims lying in the front entryway of the burning home. Oh my when, God. They pu- when they pulled them outside, it was determined that the, that the three were victims of an apparent homicide. It sounds like they were shot, but I mean, we don't know that for sure yet. As we record this, don't Like they me. all came to the front door, they all were shot, and then mm-hmm. somebody lit a fire to hide the evidence? And then took the girl, yeah. Got yeah, it. Yeah, I see the burning or the smoldering house. On the drive. Yep. A preliminary investigation determined the young female described in the initial call was a teenager who lived where the house fire and homicides occurred. According Mm -hmm. to police, Edwards, the gross guy, had developed an online relationship with the teen and obtained her personal information. He then traveled from Virginia to Riverside, California... Dear God. Where he parked his vehicles in a, his vehicle in a neighbor's driveway and walked to the teen's home. At some oh. at some point, authorities believed Edwards murdered the teen's grandfather, grandmother, and mother. Oh my God. Before walking back to his vehicle with the teen and leaving. Several hours after the bodies were found, Edwards was spotted driving with the teen through San Bernardino County. Um, Edwards exchanged gunfire with the San Bernardino County Sheriff's deputies attempting to stop him. Edwards was shot by deputies and was later pronounced dead at the scene. So cop on cop, former cop on cop. Yeah. Yeah. The teen was- What in the Golden State fucking killer? Seriously. The teen was unharmed and later placed into protective custody of the Riverside County Department of Public Social Services. I mean, thank God she was physically unharmed, but that girl's yeah, not going to be was right harmed. for the rest yeah. of her, her fucking fu- life. Her family's dead. Her, bo- her whole family is dead. It was and she too- was catfished and abducted yep. by a deranged police officer. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Oh. So Edwards had resigned from the Virginia State Police in October, so not that long ago. Detectives in California learned that he was recently employed at the Washington County Sheriff's Office in the state of Virginia. So I think he was still a former cop, but he was still like. So something fe- must have gone active. down to cause him to resign. Or and then get, he still mm. it, or be forced to resign. Right, right, uh-huh. right. That's and, what I mean, like asked and, to resign. Yeah. And then he still got to work in a sheriff's office. This mm-hmm. fucking lunatic. You know what this is like? This is like that. Uh, I just it's it fresh in my head because I just watched it. Uh, the Good Nurse with Jessica Chastain so and Eddie good. Redmayne. So Holy good. Holy shit. Eddie Redmayne's fucking performance in that so is unbelievable. But it's like they just kept, the, you keep kicking this can down the road and he could have killed upwards of 400 people. Yeah. And it's he was fucking allowed crazy. to nurse. And, and people they, knew. And that they knew. Or and they, they, they just suspe- didn't want- they, sus- they, 
They right. had their suspicions. Ha- ha- and had evidence. Like, yeah. if they wanted to pursue it, they could have. Mm-hmm. But they wanted to protect the optics of their organization. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, like, that kind of shit leads to irrevocable damage. Mm-hmm. It's like the Rikers Island. You, the, yes. the, the, they've released a guy who was, like, definitely about to die just so he wouldn't add to their death count in yep. the prison. Mm-hmm. Nobody dies on the crowds at Disneyland. Uh, okay, so the Washington County Sheriff spokesperson, so again, this is Washington County in Virginia, mm-hmm. so his latest place of employment, quote, it is shocking, shocking. Wow, we and can't believe it. To the we- entire <laughs> law enforcement community that such uh-huh. an evil and wicked person could infiltrate law enforcement while concealing <laughs> his true identity as a computer predator and murderer. Uh-huh. Yeah, Our infiltrate. thoughts and prayers are with the family. <laughs> of course they are, but we're not going to do anything. No. So there needs to be this. better fucking psychological screenings mm-hmm. of well, and these people that are allowed not only screening have a monopoly but, of on violence in our society and they mm-hmm. are barely fucking screened. It's mm-hmm. not even just the screening, it's the support mm-hmm. within the the position and itself. the accountability and yeah, uh, yeah. all that. So the victims have been identified as Mark Wynick, age 69, his wife Sherry, age 65, and their daughter Brooke, age 38. I have a picture of Brooke oh. on the drive too. So Brooke was, was the mom this, of the teen. Was the yeah. mom of the teenager. Oh God. The exact cause and manner of their deaths are still pending. The cause of the fire continues to be under investigation, although it appears to have been intentionally ignited. No fucking mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. There's just a bunch of other bullshit statements from various police departments. So, mm-hmm. oh, there's my favorite. This is yet another horrific reminder of the predators existing online who prey on our children. If mm-hmm. you've already had a conversation with your kids on how to be safe online and on social media, have it again. If not, start now to better protect them. And yeah, I so- say, while you're at it, question your local law enforcement their budgets and their mental health support programs Mm -hmm. and probably don't date a cop Mm -hmm. because they're statistically violent more likely to (laughs) cause violence against you yeah Mm -hmm. so they're armed Mm -hmm. oh yeah and they're trained so that is my segment yeah sweet dreams (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) is that crazy that happens like a couple of days ago as I was yeah. writing this. But yeah. anyway, by the time this airs, we'll probably know more. Just don't email me. I'll I'll follow along. I will be mm-hmm. haunted by that man's face. It's- oh, I... Uh, yeah. I will never recover. He mm-hmm. is so gross. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In such like a milk toast way. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... It's like when, when you think of... A very proud white supremacist. Like, that's the face. Oh, I know what he looks like. You know? Like, this is supreme. And then that guy. It's that fucking guy. That basement dweller. Do you remember, like, do you remember, like, 10 years ago that, like, live action computer generated uh, Jack Jack Frost? Oh, no. Never mind. Yeah. There's, like, but yes. There's like a there's like a there's like a computer generated quote unquote live action Jack Frost movie. Mm-hmm. He looks like the Jack Frost because he has well, no lips, a tiny little nose, and like creepy eyebrows. You're right. He does kind of no look lips. like a creepy snowman. Let mm-hmm. me find. I'm gonna find the Jack Frost. Jack. 
frost. Yeah, you look it up. Let's break to pee. And for our listeners, break to listen to sponsors. And we'll be (laughs) right back. Michael Keaton, voice of Michael Keaton, 1998. Great. That's that's exactly who he looks like. Okay, we got to go. Okay. We'll be right back. (laughs) Santa baby, it must be a holiday miracle because the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped are stuffing your stockings with everything the people in your life can ask for. That's right. This holiday season, Manscaped has vowed to make sure his ornaments are shining bright (laughs) and his tree is standing tall. Spice up those stockings with gifts they'll actually use and something you can enjoy too. If you don't believe in Santa, don't tell your kids, but you better believe in this. They've changed 7 million people with balls for the better. (laughs) So get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with code GALS20. Tell us more, Kenyon. Well, Manscaped's best-selling product is the Performance Package 4.0, which is at the top of every dude's wish list this year. Mm -hmm. Inside, you will find their Lawnmower Body Trimmer. Oh, that means it's serious. (laughs) I love that name. I know. The, dare I say, best trimmer on the market for balls, back, mm. chest. Oh, yes. The list goes Beave. on. Mm-hmm. Wherever you've got hair. Mm-hmm. Also, the weed whacker for mm. uh, the ear and nose hair trimmer. That is an essential gift, people. Precision. Precision. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget their famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. Hello. And Crop Reviver Ball Toner to keep them smelling nice down there. Oh, God bless. All of these are the perfect fit for any stocking. Some other picks uh, from Manscaped for surefire win stocking stuffers are... The Manscaped Ultra Smooth Kit. So, oh, like a little body exfoliation. Mm-hmm. Like a Love. baby's bottom. Oh, you speak him a language. The Manscaped Signature Body Wash and two-in-one shampoo. And this oh. way, you know, they can stop stealing your nice, fancy shampoo. Seriously. Like, no, not okay, ever. <laughs> and... For balls on the go, we have mm. crop mops. These are what? ball wipes, the to-go solution for stanky balls. Oh, my God. For balls on the go. Yeah. I'm obsessed. So, I love it. So these formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free. So, you know, the junk, the goods. The the junk goods is are, in good hands. Yeah. yeah the, the goods, goods are, are in good hands. They're in good hands. They're being treated good. So make sure you hurry to their site to ensure these wild gifts show up before the holiday season. And while you're at it, get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with code GALS20. Get 20% off again and free shipping at manscaped.com with code GALS20. That's G-A-L-S-2-0. So cheers to rocking the best gifts of all this season. A gift for them, but really a gift for you. XOXO Manscaped. As you know, I recently had a baby and so- The best baby! <laughs> the best baby. And so I know that my in-laws and my uh, grandmother-in-law and, mm-hmm. you know, my mom are all just, all they want, they don't want to look at me, they want to look at pictures of my baby. Correct. And that is why Skylight is the perfect gift this season. I love my skylight frame. I set it up in the kitchen. It's like on the wall by our fridge. 
And I made the big mistake of giving my fiance, Bill, all access. I was like, you set up the email, you know, you can start sending stuff from your phone. So it's 90% pictures of him and our cat. But I love it. (laughs) I like am obsessed with it. And I have my coffee by it every morning. So if you couldn't pick it up from what I'm saying here, a skylight frame is a photo frame that you can update instantly by email from anywhere. So this is a great way to feel close to those that you love, even when you're separated, like from your Mm grandmother-in-law. And it sets up effortlessly in under 60 seconds. If Grandma Lynn can do it, if I can do it, anyone can do it. You just, you plug it in, you use the touchscreen to connect your wireless network, and you enjoy. And then sending photos to Skylight is effortless. Everyone in the family can use the app or just email them to the Skylight, and they will pop up in seconds. Multiple people can send photos to the frame. So this is a, such a great way to keep like a large network of friends like Alamaz mm-hmm. in touch. Or if you, you know, are just close with all your family all over the country, there you go. And it's just a very classic look. It blends in really nicely mm-hmm. with other frames that you might already have. It has a black frame with white matte. It looks like a real photo frame. It just adds a beautiful touch to your home. Skylight Frame's vibrant touchscreen display lets you swipe through photos. So if you've seen that photo of Bill and Pepperoni 10 times, you can just swipe through it, skip it. Or you can tap it to put a heart on it and let that person know how much you loved it. And there's two different sizes. You can do the 10-inch or the new large 15-inch frame, Mm -hmm. which that is going to be my upgrade for sure. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. And if you don't love your Skylight, they'll offer you a full refund. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now as a special offer, you can get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter code WINE. That's right. To get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight frame, just go to skylightframe.com and enter code WINE. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com. Promo code WINE. And treat your pictures. Treat them. <laughs> On to my case if Amanda can fucking get a grin. <laughs> look away. I did. She can't. I can. <laughs> I did look away. <laughs> but it's like burned on my eyelids (laughs) i know i can see it so clearly right my mind's eye will never recover i haven't seen that face for 20 years and i still was like that looks like that live action snowman movie holy shit it came out in 98 basement earlier it came out in 98 oh i wasn't at that party because the y2k new year's i was hanging out at my house with blichter blanton blaris (laughs) and (laughs) who i kissed at the halloween party on the trampoline yeah and blamey blims and blora blag oh wow (laughs) and we were watching the blair witch project (laughs) The Blair Witch. <laughs> the Blair Blitch project. <laughs> Blair Blitch. <laughs> and we were so scared that like at midnight when some asshole in our neighborhood, our parents were at home, they were like at a party down the street. Some asshole in the neighborhood set off fireworks and we lost our shit. <laughs> we thought it was like the witch pounding on the windows. <laughs> yep. Anyway, so that's my trauma. Where's your Good case? Times. Good time. Where's your case? <laughs> my case brought to you by Lucy Fitzgerald. Great. Okay. You're Lucy Blitz Blair old. 
Thank you. Lucy Blitz Blair. <laughs> John Beep Lucy's name. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do it though. Do it. Okay. Michael Neely, a police detective. <laughs> a police detective from Manford, Oklahoma. Ish. Home of Yogi Bear's Jellystone Park and Resort. Yes, I am padding my case a little bit. <laughs> Didn't just get along with his boss. What? <laughs> Didn't just get along with his boss, longtime police chief Lucky Miller. The Oof. two men were actually close friends outside of their precinct as well as in it. So Chief Miller had directed the local police department since 2007, and Michael Neely joined as the force's sole detective in 2015. This is a small community outside of Tulsa, and there were like seven cops on the force, mm -hmm. and only, only one of them, Michael Neely, was a detective, and then the chief was lucky. Mm -hmm. The mayor of the small town of Manford said, quote, they were the best of friends, both on the force and off. Their families knew each other very well. And so when an opportunity came up to attend a law enforcement conference in Pensacola, Florida, the buddies likely saw it as a chance to combine a little work with play. Oh, Leisure. yeah. Hit the hit the links, as they say. Yeah. Is golfing? Hit, yep. hit the links. Okay. Yep. That's golfing. And it's no. That's golf. That's golf. <laughs> and it's November, so you definitely want to go. That's a good time to go to Florida. Oh, yeah. Florida. Oh, yeah. Anyway, no one could have foreseen just how ironic the topic of the conference, investigating death scenes, <gasps> would become. <gasps> or for Lucy that. Lucy would go to that conference. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would sneak it. I would crash that conference. Mm -hmm. That is what I want Blime Blonde to actually be. Right, mm -hmm. right. Instead of what it actually is. I'll crash that <laughs> conf. <laughs> so Manford Mayor Tyler Buttram again, quote, when two friends go to training class together, you just don't expect something like this to happen. It just doesn't make sense. Not two best friends, end quote. Hmm. So on the night of Sunday, November 10th, 2019, after what I imagine was a long day of dry lectures and trainings that Lucy would absolutely fucking salivate over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the pair went to dinner and then it was time to unwind watching a football game in their hotel room that they were sharing at the Pensacola Beach Hilton. Oh, and nice. it's not... A romantic thing. They had two separate beds. It was just uh, the police force, I think, only comped one room. Could have been. Yeah, we won't well. judge. No, we we know that they were not mm, romantically okay. involved. Or if they were, it was it never came out. Mm -hmm. So they, they, they're at this work conference all day. They go out to dinner. They go back to their hotel room to drink and watch a football game on TV. This shouldn't mm -hmm. be like that wild. Right. Yeah. But it's safe to say that Neely and Miller got very, very carried away with their reveling and became quite disruptive. Mm. Throughout that evening, fellow hotel guests reported multiple noise complaints to hotel management. Mm -hmm. At first, these consisted of just loud talking and laughter, mm -hmm. which like 
would have to have been pretty fucking annoying to elicit right. a noise complaint mm-hmm. in a hotel in a Hilton. Yeah. It's right. one thing if you can tell that these people laughing are like 10-year-old kids. I wouldn't <laughs> hesitate to call the cops. But Of course you wouldn't. <laughs> but if okay. they're like grown men, I don't know. I feel it like also- it's different if you know it's raucous children versus raucous adults. Mm. Well, it's also like not a party. Mm-hmm. Like the, it's two people in the room. Like they had mm-hmm. to have been really fucking loud. It's just men in love <laughs> with football. <laughs> in yeah. love with football. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So also calm down. It's November. It's not like you're even that close to the fucking Super Bowl or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Queen of sports, everybody. Queen of sports. <laughs> But later on in the night, witnesses reported hearing a kerfuffle. Yes. And a man shouting the words, stop it, Mike. Stop Mm. it, Mike. Over and over before falling silent. Ooh, that's creepy. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Hotel guest Charles Brown. Charlie Brown. Fake name. (laughs) Fake name. (laughs) Hotel guest Monster Inc. <laughs> Nickel Mouse. Garfield. Garfield. <laughs> Mr. Field, you're Nickel Mouse. Nickel Mouse. The fuck? Nickel Mac. Mick E. Mouse. <laughs> oh my God. I swear to God. That- the person who like approves elevators in the city of Des Moines mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. his signature. Their signature looks like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> so anytime you get into an elevator in Des Moines, look at that little little placard. I, I get a kick out of it every time. Our rabbi's signature, and he's Israeli, so like his signature, I guess, is in Hebrew with like. Mm-hmm other letters i don't know what i'm saying it's ornate yeah (laughs) his his signature just looks like a sideways smiley face (laughs) and so he like made a certificate for sonia for her like simhat bot and like Mm -hmm. i was like why did he put smiley faces all over it (laughs) it took me like a really long time to figure out that's the tradition you're like wow this looks really tacky (laughs) way to ruin it yeah. Redo. Well, I thought you named your daughter Estelle. <laughs> I love that name, though. Okay. So, hotel guest <laughs> Charles Brown, who was staying in the room next to Neely and Miller, would later tell the press, quote, I would hear only what I could describe as a roar out of an individual. Oh, then I would hear, stop it, Mike, stop it, Mike. And then things would quiet down for a while, and then it would start up again. Ew. Okay. Similarly, guest Miranda Eubanks recalled hearing, quote, a roaring animalist, not natural sound emanating <gasps> from the room. God. Mm. Yeah. It doesn't appear that hotel staff did all that much to respond to these noise complaints besides sending an employee up a few different times. To put a cup to the door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to tell the obviously very intoxicated at this point, and we will get to it, men to quiet down. Shut the fuck up, yeah. Because, like, what else are you going to do for a noise complaint 
in mm-hmm. general. And then also like, what more can you reasonably do in that situation? Like threaten to call the police? Right. I was going to say, they're cops. It's literally a cop convention yeah. that mm-hmm. has gotten out of control. Uh, uh, it wouldn't, uh, just yeah. sounds awful. So then around 9.30 p.m., and when I was writing my notes, I like didn't know the exact time. So I plugged in like around blank blank in the morning as like mm-hmm. a placeholder because I just like assumed given how drunk they were at it this was point. It was a.m. That it would it be an a.m. And it was only 9.30 p.m. Yikes. God. Casual Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Like what the fuck? So we've all been there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Not, we've not been here. No. And we will get to it. But around 9.30 fucking p.m., a hotel security guard entered room 527 to check on the situation because there was another fucking noise complaint and they'd already been up there a few times. And so we got to figure this out. Yeah. So I assume they went up there and knocked and no one answered. And then they entered the room is what I assume Mm. happened. Okay. So there the guard found Neely sitting on top of Miller's chest and Miller was like on the ground between the at the hotel bed and the wall. Mm-hmm. And Neely is sitting on his chest and Neely is groaning incoherently. Oh, no. Oh, Neely's groaning. Neely is groaning. The one sitting atop the man on the ground. Jesus Christ. Ugh. The security guard directed Neely to get off of 44-year-old Miller, but he was so intoxicated that he either didn't understand the command or he couldn't physically comply with it. Like, he was Mm -hmm. fucking out of it. Mm -hmm. So the guard ended up having to pull him off of Miller, who was unresponsive. Mm. And then the guard kind of, like, placed Neely on the bed just to, like, get him out of the way so he could check on the man on the floor. But then Neely, like, fucking drunk, rolled off the bed again and landed back on the floor, but in, like, another spot, this time flat on his face and, like, busted up his own nose and lip in the process. Mm. Oh, God. So blood alcohol testing would later reveal that both men who had been drinking vodka for hours, and Mm. some reports say over half a gallon of vodka. (gasps) Oh, my God. That would literally kill me. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Oh, yikes. We're over four times the legal limit to drive with Neely at 0.294 and Miller at 0.334, which I always get blood alcohol. Like I always get BAC confused, but that sounds very high. The Mm -hmm. legal limit is 0.08. Couldn't 0.334 kill you? Uh, Yeah. Probably, 0.294 could kill you. It depends on like your body's like, what it's called tolerance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but any anything above a point two i think could could kill you mm-hmm. or at least like really yeah. really hurt you so by the time other police and paramedics arrived on the scene to from administer down the hall yeah <laughs> yeah not from down the hall but like those on duty in florida mm-hmm Arrived on the scene to administer help to Lucky Miller, who was, again, unresponsive on the ground. He had already died of asphyxiation. Oof. So the coroner would determine that Miller had been beaten severely, then strangled, and finally suffocated with, I believe, the hotel pillow. Mm. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. 
That's and horrifying. The beat and it like because of the stop it Mike stop it Mike and then the like yeah. like it that he like started and then stopped maybe got, and then started yeah because he was again. wasted he's like it's these zones out or whatever yeah oh god yeah yikes Ugh. so the beating was so severe that later at trial expert witness forensic pathologist Dr Aurelian Nicolescu testified that, quote, Miller suffered about five blunt force traumatic injuries to his head before his death, end quote, and that the blows Neely administered to his friend and boss had the force of a car accident. No. And there were no... What the fuck? Yeah. And there were no weapons in the room. Like, thank God. It's just 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 his hands and pillows. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. There are photos on the drive, which will be on the blog, of the hotel room. Mm-hmm. You can kind of see, like, the mess that it was in. Ugh. And you can also see Lucky and Neely and, uh, you know, everybody involved. And the Pensacola Beach Hilton. Yeah. Oh and a requisite God. map of Manford, it, Oklahoma, because I have to Neely's include a map. And really terrible hair. It's a mess, this oh, room. I, I get to the hair, but he Neely basically looks like Ted Cruz with long yeah, hair. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, uh, yeah. He oh, was cruising God. for a bruising. Ew, yeah. with Ted Cruz with like a duck tail. Yeah. Yeah. So. Good Lord. Neely is fucked up. He's just rolled off the bed. He's immediately like, placed in handcuffs and arrested on the scene. But like, he's so fucking drunk that it's, it takes a few hours. It it takes a few hours for him to sober up enough to remain like consistently conscious in order to be questioned by members of the Escambia County Sheriff's office. Mm. So in the video of the interrogation, Neely can be seen donning a hospital gown. I presume because his clothes were taken as evidence. Mm hmm. And also, like, maybe he vomited. I'm not sure. I'm making a lot of assumptions. I don't know. Mm -hmm. He appears confused and repeatedly denies knowing anything about what happened that night and repeatedly is asking for clarification about Lucky's status. Mm -hmm. After homicide detectives, like, introduce themselves and read him his Miranda rights, Neely asks, quote, homicide, who... Who who is dead? And he has no idea. So fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Or pretending not to anyway. Right. Right. But I mean, their BAC is so high right. that I it's that you wouldn't need to pretend. Right. No, I know, but I'm just saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He did. He killed yeah. him. So yeah. <laughs> right. So again, Neely quote: "I would like to know what happened. Uh, you know, because I'm telling you, I don't have any memory of." this shit and i'm you know i'm shocked that lucky is dead i mean it's shocking Mm -hmm. the conversation continues neely quote i'm feeling my hands my hands don't feel anything you know what's he dead from i don't understand and i read conflicting reports so some like the prosecution basically says that neely's hands were all fucked up from having punched him someone force of a car accident yeah and then the defense tries to claim at some point that like his fan his hands don't show enough signs of having beaten someone. Mm, okay. And from this quote, I can't tell if he's saying that like his hands don't feel hurt, like mm-hmm. he doesn't think he beat anyone, or if he's saying that his hands are numb 
which could be the result of his hands being injured. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or he's just so fucking drunk he can't feel his hands, which is also possible. Mm-hmm. A lot of moving mm-hmm. parts. Okay. Yeah. With the hands. So again, he says, you know, my hands don't feel anything. You know, what's he dead from? I don't understand. And investigators reply, quote, I mean, it appears that he's been beat to death. So by all accounts, Lucky Miller, the victim, who Mm. leaves behind a wife who was his high school sweetheart and three children, Mm -hmm. was well-liked in his community and by his colleagues. The new Manford City acting police chief who had to, like, take over Lucky's job. Mm Mm-hmm. It was this man, Jerry Ridley, and he fondly remembered his former boss saying, quote, he had an open door policy. If you were having a problem, you could go in and talk to him and he'd try to help fix it. And he was a leader that led by example and not by telling you what to do. Mm -hmm. And again, like Lucky and Mike were friends. They were Mm -hmm. buddies. They like didn't have. They didn't have any beef. No. There appears to have been no known motive for the murder, like no underlying resentments, no issues between them, no like sordid secrets. There wasn't like a love triangle. There wasn't came out you of know, fucking nowhere. Came mm-hmm. out of fucking nowhere. It was, they were just really, really it, drunk. Yeah, it is God, really crazy too so because fucking gross. Well, because uh, you know people talk a lot about certain drugs like making you very violent mm-hmm. like meth but, and stuff yeah but the only known substance yeah. at least according to like mm-hmm. i've taken some psychopharmacology classes for school right and literally the only known subject substance where it's not just correlation but actual traceable causation is alcohol. physiologically is alcohol mm-hmm. it's the only one that's mm-hmm. also oh well, i heard this recently and i don't know this for a fact but it's also the only drug that withdrawal can actually kill you in itself Mm. is that true i'm not sure but it does have more of an effect on like multiple and frankly all organs of the body Mm -hmm. than any other single substance but like withdrawing from heroin or cocaine or crack or whatever you're severely uncomfortable but the withdrawal itself won't kill you as opposed Mm -hmm. to alcohol dependence Hmm. which can kill you. That is yeah. so I mean, wild. I, think, I don't know. Yeah, I think both withdrawal. And it's the um, only like, one that's with- legal. Right. Any withdrawal can can lead to death, but I, that Directly, sounds. Directly, though. Right, right, right. That sounds accurate. I mean, the withdrawal from alcohol is so intense because it's like, it's your brain. It's your liver. It's your bloodstream. It's your kidneys. Mm-hmm. Like It's, it's all it's, of your organs because it has to do with your organ. blood. Yeah, exactly. Because you're exposing every organ in your body, your skin, your eyes, everything to alcohol, which gets into your bloodstream. It's really nuts. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm trying to enjoy this glass of red wine. But yes. But you're not <laughs> hammered. I know. <laughs> That's like fine. Yeah. It's the electrolytes, baby. Right. You're not literally drinking to the point of poisoning yourself. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So back to this story. It's perhaps the senselessness of this crime, even more so than its apparent brutality. Yeah. That makes Miller's death like even more difficult to process. Like mm-hmm. most of what people's reactions were, were just like, we're never going to know why. And that just makes it so much sadder because like they're actually... I- 
like it isn't no even reason. a why. Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah. There's also just a lot of quotes from people being like, both of these families are victims, mm-hmm. which like, yes, both of the families certainly are victims, mm-hmm. like including the family of the perpetrator, I think. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like how much of that grace that is being given to Neely right now is because yep. he is a fucking cop. Like, would we ever give any other murderer mm-hmm. that kind of grace? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Probably not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, food for a thought. Mm-hmm. Also, this is really sad because, of course, it gets sadder. Um just 34 days after the Miller family was informed of Lucky's death, his mm-hmm. grandmother died as well. And like, I mean, Lucky was Lucky's 40. grandmother, Lucky's grandmother. And oh, like she he, was the man old, was probably. 44 years old. So yeah. like that's going to happen. But mm-hmm. at the same time, the family does attribute her death to the shock of hearing of her grandson's murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She like died of a broken heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lucky's sister Katie Landrum says that what she struggles with most is, quote, trying to understand how the person who was his partner and friend and knows all of us, ultimately the person who should have been there to protect Lucky was the one who took his life, even when Lucky was pleading with him to stop. I cannot fathom how a person, especially one who was sworn to serve and protect others, could take someone else's life with his bare hands. Mm-hmm. End quote. Bare hands. Mm-hmm. It's such a savage attack. Like, it's so brutal. Yeah. And slow. Mm-hmm. Slow, brutal. And it seems like if you were that fucked up, you'd have, like, some kind of moment of clarity within that time frame. I don't know. The mm-hmm. whole thing is just so creepy. Mm-hmm. It's very creepy. It's almost like sleepwalking or... PTSD, like right. I don't it's know, like a, 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 it's psych- like a, a psychosis, something or other. Mm-hmm. But like, oh my god, just the fact that like they were best friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also like the whole like person sworn to serve and protect, and then taking someone's life with their bare hands, hands while the victim is pleading with them to stop, mm-hmm. is ringing a lot of bells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at the same, I mean, I get, I hear what you're saying, and I don't disagree with you. But at the same I mean, time, that's not, it's not your best friend, right? I know. And, and in right. those situations, it's very much an us them thing, and that this is definitely on the side of the us. But it begs the question: if this was like this guy is so blacked out that he went into some sort of weird autopilot, yeah, has he per- has he performed before, this yeah. kind of behavior before? Absolutely. And I, there are no accusations against this person i'm not trying to like slander the deceased but it is something to consider mm-hmm. or not the deceased but the even or sorry the perpetrator right like i'm not trying to necessarily slander either of them mm-hmm. right just saying like it really makes you wonder if that's where when he snapped mm-hmm. when something snapped that's naturally where it went he was so incoherent he couldn't I've been Feel really, really, really fucked up before, and I've never Orleans, tried to strangle baby. anybody. Yeah, no, I yeah, almost had you to just take you off to your get top you and jump the in the lake. Day. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. all you, you do. do. I usually just let the titties out and then throw up violently the next day. Yeah, yeah. you love to take your top off when you're drunk. Yeah. It's amazing. I love it. I love it. Should I deprive I the world of these titties? <laughs> never. 
never. It's your gift to the I universe. I become a humanitarian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so generous when I'm drunk. I take off my shirt. <laughs> so You're welcome, generous. world. <laughs> You're welcome, Blyle Bleen. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Well. <laughs> okay. So, at trial... Michael Neely's defense team tried to argue that Miller's death was an accident, recounting for the jury a hypothetical scenario in which the two drunken men merely fell off the bed together in a heap, resulting in Miller being crushed to death just by Neely's body weight. That didn't Hmm. happen. But the forensic evidence of Miller's extensive injuries, not to mention the eyewitness testimony of hearing the kerfuffle told a very different story, one that ultimately the jury couldn't forget. And so the three-day trial, which was postponed like a shit ton due to the pandemic, Mm -hmm. finally happened, and it resulted in the conviction and sentencing to life of 50-year-old Michael Neely, who, again, with long hair, looks like Ted Cruz, blah. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for second-degree murder, and the jury took only two hours to deliberate. Wow, I'm actually surprised, considering it's a cop-on-cop. I think. So, I mean, I, I know it's so. You're surprised it took that long? That I'm. I'm surprised that it was that fast. Mm. Usually, when there's like a police, I know that they weren't in uniform. They were at some sort of con. Like, I know this is. Different, and the but victim well, is an officer. It's also a cop. So I think it depends it kind of, on the jury. Yeah. True. I mean, the jury I was on was not in not inherently sympathetic to cops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, yeah. but I think the fact that the victim was also a cop almost right. kind of evens the Cancels score. It out a yeah, mm-hmm. and maybe it would have taken longer if the victim hadn't been a cop. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So at the sentencing hearing, Neely's wife Lisa begged the judge for quote mercy and leniency claiming, quote, Mike would never intentionally hurt someone. I've lived with him for 21 years. I know this. Mm-hmm. And like, maybe that's true. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know him. I don't. There was nothing else on record of him acting violently. But like, it is strange. He still killed somebody. Yeah, that this was his reaction to getting that drunk. And also and like, yeah, alcohol is so readily it. available that he is a danger to the public. And if anyone is going to drink half a gallon of vodka, they have drank heavily before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you can't just start at half a gallon of vodka. Mm-hmm. You die. Well, like, and also, if you drink, I mean, if you drink that much or if you drink excessively at all, and then you go into a complete blackout mode for hours, hours actively killing someone. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think he was killing that guy for hours, but like at least a half hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To be in such a state of like totally out of it, actively killing someone pretty slowly for that amount of time. Mm-hmm. Mm. The f- Why would you ever trust your kids or yourself with that person ever, ever? Right, right. Like, obviously I feel for his wife, especially if like, he hadn't ever shown signs before this, but like, yeah, it's tragic. Yeah. Could he not? That's, yeah, that's really fucking wild. This is uh, such yeah. a bizarre case. It's very bizarre. Yeah, it's, yeah. with no closure or resolution, really, yeah. because yeah. yeah, not the lack of motive is really a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
And so on that note, um, I have a quote here from Kyle Anderson, who is the local chamber of commerce president, who Mm -hmm. basically he presented um, Lucky Miller with a posthumous lifetime achievement award for his service to the local community. And they presented Mm -hmm. that to Miller's family, obviously posthumously. Mm-hmm. And so this guy's quote sums it up really quote. The reality is there's no verdict. There is no sentence that can replace what they've lost. Mm-hmm. Like this guy was just like murdered by his friend completely senselessly. fucking senselessly. You can like, mm-hmm. it, it's almost like as the victim's family, you can like, it's, you don't even have like any kind of catharsis. Like you can no, barely right. like direct your anger at anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The person you know did it because. But yeah, you're like, that's not even them. Like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, it would just not be fun. It's, it's a really tough case. None of you were allowed to get murdered. Got it? Yeah. Fair. I know it's and your responsibility. Don't kill, I mean, like, it'd be like if one of us killed each other. Mm-hmm. Literally. I mean, we talk about it a lot, but imagine if it happened. We fantasize about it all the time. Yeah. I, mean, I, I have voodoo dolls of both of you, but that's different. Just because I have hair dolls of both of you doesn't mean. <laughs> Holy shit. But yeah, yeah it would my... so fucking bizarre. And like, but if... my hair doll always backfires because you keep accidentally grabbing my not my hair. <laughs> so some <laughs> random woman it's out just, there just blew like just Easter, getting Easter over and over again. Oh yes. no! Oh no! Because it's not even my hair. Oh, so no. tragic! That's extra tragic. Yeah, look what you've done. Look Ugh. what you specifically have done. Well, what a horrific case! And yeah. thank you to me for sending it to you. Because yes, it's, thank you. Yeah. You know that I like a good case that doesn't have a resolution. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why I love this one. Yeah, it's one of my least favorite things about you. Uh, <laughs> we'll add it to well, the list. Yeah. I don't even have a list. Add it to the doll. <laughs> All right. Add it, talk to the doll. Talk add to it doll. to the doll. Okay. All right. Let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. Okay. <laughs> Care Of is a subscription service that ships high-quality, personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders conveniently to your door every month. I am obsessed. Tell us more, Kenyon. Tis the season for Mm. celebrating. The new year is just around the corner, and if you want to set some intentions for the new year, maybe Mm -hmm. rethink some of your habits or like Mm -hmm. reinvent some of your routines that you want to start in 2023, Mm -hmm. then think about care of because care of makes it easy to stick to a healthy routine even when life gets crazy and they do that with daily app reminders so you can remember to take your vitamins they also have individual travel ready packs yeah like pre-portioned which are great because i've definitely like before care of had my ziploc bag of vitamins and supplements still in my purse and then it's like uh I don't know what I've taken already. Is this vitamin D? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, And they have a flexible subscription that you can change up at any time by simply retaking the quiz. You know we love a good quiz Mm -hmm. for some extra support where you need it. And I 
I like to take care of Squiz kind of seasonally because, you know, your needs change depending on your life and lifestyle and weather and everything going on. Yeah. I recently had a baby. I'm no longer taking prenatals, but I still wanted to continue with some of the vitamins that I had been taking while pregnant. And so retook care of Squiz, decided to start taking biotin. Mm, keep those nails looking good. Nails and hair. Absolutely. Want to, you know, prevent some of that postpartum hair loss, all that mm. stuff. So for 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter the code GALS50. One more time, for 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code GALS50, G-A-L-S-5-0, and treat your wellness. Treat it. Who doesn't love getting new undies for the holidays? Nobody. That's who. Mm-hmm. Me Undies is your go-to spot for snuggly, soft undies and more that all your loved ones will adore. So get Mary in matching sets perfect for binge watching or holiday your way however you like with new limited edition prints. The holiday spirit just got real. Try Me Undies and get 20% off your first purchase plus free standard shipping and free returns when you go to MeUndies.com slash gals. Y'all know I love my me undies, and I have like seasonal onesies. Mm-hmm. So I just switched from uh, my more fall kind of like Halloween onesie, my my sleeping onesie, to my buffalo plaid more Christmas onesie. Mm-hmm. Bill and I always match. <laughs> we love our onesies; they are so it soft. Is the They're glue so amazing. That holds your relationship together. Honestly, yeah. Without me undies, we might not make it. So that's what that's how important me undies is to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bill's hard to shop for. I have talked about this many, many times. He's like the ultimate gift giver, but he's not easy to give a gift to because mm-hmm. he like doesn't need much. He's got all he needs, but you can spend less time worrying about the gifting, you know, and more time just living your life with the new me undies col- holiday collection. So from undies and bralettes to PJ sets, MeUndies has something for every name on your list. Shop classic plaids for dads, holiday sweater prints for fun friends, and the softest loungewear ever for all of the cuddly ones in your life. It's available in sizes extra small through 4XL. MeUndies has everything you need to make your favorite people smile this holiday season, including yourself, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, you are important, and you can just add yourself to that sweet little list. All in one convenient place. So this year, holiday your way with me undies. To get 20% off your first order, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to meundies.com slash gals, G-A-L-S. That's meundies.com slash gals and treat your nethers. Treat her. Are you ready for my case? <laughs> I don't I don't know, but I'm I mean, I'm ready to be done with this episode so I can yeah, eat dinner. I'm this ready. Epi- okay. I'm ready for my okay. birria tacos. There we go. So here is yet another famous case that I knew very little about because I'm me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will be offering no other explanation at this time. Great, 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 great. Christopher Jordan Dorner was born June 4th of 1979, Gemini, Mm. just like Bill, which gives me concerns, in New York, but his family relocated to Southern California when he was young. So for all intents and purposes, he he grew up in Cali. 
He graduated from Cypress High School in 1997 and went on to Southern Utah University, where he graduated in 2001 with a major in political science and a minor in psychology. He had aspirations of becoming a police officer since his teens, even joining a youth program with the local police department. And after graduating from college, he entered the U.S. Navy Reserves. He served both domestically and by served, meaning like trained and then had like shifts because it's the reserves, but Mm -hmm. whatever. Okay. At Fallon Naval Air Station in Nevada. And but he did also have like longer stretches abroad, like he served he had to go help out for with something on a base in Bahrain. I think he actually did serve briefly in Iraq. Mm-hmm. And so he was active in the Navy Reserve until April of 2007. He excelled while in the Navy Reserve and was honored for his marksmanship as well as his integrity. In one anecdote about him, he and a classmate allegedly found a handbag with an envelope of cash inside marked as belonging to a nearby Korean church. And rather than keep the nearly $8,000 in cash, they turned the money into the police who returned it to the church. That's Mm. nice. Yeah. I feel like that's sort of a low standard, though, too. I mean, it is. But (laughs) all this to say that this guy was like not your typical hotshot wannabe cop douchebag. Okay. And we'll get more into that later. But he seemed like a young man who like wanted to do the right thing and make something of his life. So he was able to enroll in the LAPD Police Academy while he was part of the Navy Reserve because, again, it's the reserve. So he's not like on base or on assignment constantly. You have you commit to like however many weekends right. a month or whatever. Mm-hmm. He completed the training required to then start training with an officer in the LAPD. So like you are hired by the department. You are a police officer, but you're usually there under a probationary period in the beginning where you're you are not on you can't be like on your own. You're just That's you're good. with a training officer. Mm-hmm. A lot of larger police departments will operate this way. It's mm-hmm. like an apprenticeship. Kind of. Yeah. But it's fully paid. Like you're still working toward your pension, like all that stuff. It's just they keep an eye on you in the beginning. Yeah. As they should. Yep. So he gets back from Bahrain. He's hired by the LAPD. He, you know, he's in academy. Um and he's now Like, or he's done with Academy, he's out training. It's also important to point out here that Christopher is a young black man. So he endured a fuck ton of racism while he was in Academy. So much so that while he wanted to graduate and become an officer with the hopes of creating like some positive changes within the LAPD. Mm -hmm. And this is the LAPD in the early 2000s, Mm. like very raw from a lot of exposure of racism within LAPD. In the 90s. Yeah. In the 90s. Mm -hmm. The LAPD had recently needed to like go through so, an investigation 80s 90s and today well, all the rodney king shit and yeah exactly exactly so there's just there's a lot going on here yeah. so he wanted to make some positive changes but he also commented to his training officer that he intended to sue the lapd after graduation because of his treatment in academy specifically by his white classmates with no protection or repercussions from trainers and supervisors mm-hmm. So he continued with his training under Officer Evans and on one particularly disturbing call actually ended up reporting her behavior. The two had responded to a call about a disturbance at a local hotel and arrived to find a man with diagnosed schizophrenia and dementia in the midst of a mental health crisis. Yet another hotel. Uh Uh-huh. I know. We do have some similarities in this case. Mm -hmm. It's kind of wild. Officer Evans allegedly used excessive force in dealing with the situation, kicking the man in the chest and face while he was cuffed and laying on the ground. And this man had like, he had a lot of issues mentally 
and psychologically. So when asked to like testify about this, his story changed a lot. Sometimes he said, yes, she kicked me. And he had reportedly told like family and like his own dad that he had been beaten up by the police before this report was ever even made. Mm. But then like later on under a lot of pressure, he he would say like, oh, I wasn't I wasn't kicked. And the only witness to that behavior was Officer Evans, who is being, you know, accused of this behavior, and Dorner, who is a trainee, essentially. Okay. So it's not a great situation of his word against hers. Mm-hmm. So Evans responded with a negative evaluation of him, because she's his training officer, saying he needed to improve his performance. Nevertheless, the LAPD did conduct an investigation, and I put that in heavy quotes because... It's their own internal investigation Mm -hmm. into the incident. This investigation lasted seven months, during which time Officer Evans was assigned to desk duty, which probably didn't make her very happy. And also, like, she's yeah. So she's she's the veteran on the force. Why do they hate desk duty so much? Because they can't be out on the streets fucking beating people when they're stuck behind a desk. Well, it's also uh, like a lot of like desk. It's boring. It's boring. Yeah, sure. It's boring. You don't have the same freedom. You don't become a cop to be on desk duty. Mm -hmm. I guess. Sounds great. But it is, it's like. (laughs) I'm not defending it. I'm just saying. The three of us us are like, give me desk duty. Let's go. I love desk duty. Way rather not be in the field. (laughs) Are you kidding? Can I organize office supplies? Yeah. That would be great. I am the office. I'm the office manager. That's all I want to do is organize office office manager, And I love it. It's pretty great. (laughs) It's my ideal job. It's beautiful, thankless work. <laughs> Do you um, want so, a promotion? No. No. I like where I'm at. I want a yeah. raise, so please but not a promotion. stop talking I'll to me. I'll take the pay raise, but yeah. I want Yeah, keep I want doing the raise and not any more responsibility. So their seven month investigation ended, siding with Officer Evans, concluding that no kicking had occurred and that Christopher Dorner had lied about a fellow officer, like in an official report. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. An officer who was above him in rank and is obviously not happy about this. Mm -hmm. So he was fired by the LAPD in 2008 for, quote, making false statements in his report and in his testimony against Officer Evans. He pushed back and fought the claims and his termination in L.A. County Superior Court, which unsurprisingly upheld LAPD's decision to fire Dorner. Judge David Yaffe ruled, quote, that he would presume that the LAPD's accusations that Dorner's report was false would stand, even though he didn't know if his report of Evans kicking the man in crisis was false or not. He's like, it doesn't matter if I know whether or not you lied. It matters that it wouldn't. This case won't hold up like okay. your, your testimony won't hold up in court. Like, okay. it doesn't make sense for me to do anything about anything more about this than uphold LAPD's accusation that you lied because we don't have a solid it'd be a brick wall anyway right Mm -hmm. we don't have a solid witness to corroborate what you saw and that's where it ends Mm -hmm. so this enraged Dorner who yelled out in disbelief at the end of the hearing quote I told the truth how can this ruling happen he filed another appeal but still the LAPD's account was upheld all of this back and forth with the courts would last until 2011 when all of his appeals were finally exhausted and he was honorably discharged from the navy the same year and like things seemed pretty quiet for him he tried to move on with his life he moved in with his mother and sister um in a little bungalow in La Palma California but like i think the only thing he knew and the only training he had was in the navy and 
the police mm-hmm. and that is what he had wanted to be and so now this opportunity has been very much sullied mm-hmm. and he feels like he has no other calling and he like he's like this has ruined my life like now what the fuck do he's i do been i'm living with my mom and my sister yeah right yeah and this like fucked up corrupt police force is just saying nah that didn't happen and they fucking fired me for like trying to do the right thing right so he was fucked over by the very system that he Correct. Like, had idolized his whole life. Yeah. Which, like, honestly, there have been some... Which, like, I, too, have been to grad school, so, like, I get it. But, like... (laughs) Well, anyone who's, like, been religious, like, like kids who turn out to be gay who are are raised in, you know, super Christian households, like, oh, I'm being... uh, This is being weaponized against me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm not sympathizing with this guy because I know how this goes down, but psychologically it's really fucked up Mm -hmm. i don't sympathize or i don't sympathize with what he did in response to this and i think that there i would never condone that and it's fucked up but i do sympathize with this situation Mm -hmm. and we'll kind of get to that a little more in a minute but yes i hear what you're saying and i absolutely agree Mm -hmm. so his experience had tormented him and something within him just fucking snapped Mm -hmm. and in uh, in february of 2013 so this is about five years after his dismissal from the lapd so he's been basically sitting in his mom's basement brooding about this for five fucking years Mm -hmm. feeling like he's lost everything with no other calling and a whole lot of like trauma and internalized white supremacy and excellent here we fucking go yeah well he's Mm -hmm. black isn't he i Yes, but we'll get to the we'll yeah. get to the internalized okay. white supremacy part of this. Yeah. And it's like very it's very odd what he does and we will talk about that. So Anderson Cooper, that Anderson Cooper, oh, arrived at his office on the morning of February 1st to a package addressed to him. Within the package was a DVD of Christopher Dorner providing a detailed retelling of his experience with LAPD, like the experience that he had had years earlier. He like wanted this to get to the press, as well as a very creepy token, a commemorative. It's like a commemorative coin. I think it's called a charge coin that's given to some officers to mark their acceptance into the force. And then you you can get more. It's like a chip. You can get more how mm-hmm. many years you've served than you get another like charge coin. Okay. Oh, it's like an AA not, chip. Yeah, yeah, it is like that. Opposite. It, not not all <laughs> not all police departments or forces do this, but some do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there was one of these coins in this package, but the coin was mangled after it, it had been literally and very obviously shot with a gun. Don't like that. Nope. And the coin was wrapped in a note that read, quote, one, like the number one, and then the letters M-O-A, which means one minute of angle, which are which is like a term or a grouping of terms that marksmen and those well-trained in weaponry would know means that the coin was shot from like 100 yards with a very specific... Angle. You know, or was like it set of one credentials. Mall of America. Uh, there it is. Mm. No way to know. So this showcases accuracy with a gun. So it's like a veiled threat, not so veiled threat. Gross. It is a it is a threat. Two days later, on this is it to gets Anderson really, fucking Cooper. Yeah. So who at this, this point Cooper. in the story has no nothing. idea who this person is. Right. Got it. No idea. Like probably had never heard of this case because right. like it's probably not opening many, his own mail. 
No, probably not. Definitely yeah. not. Yeah. But yeah. Anderson has a history of drama. He's not answering, oh. opening his own mail. But no, no. But his, he got this package. His people, his office, it was addressed to him. There you go. Mm-hmm. So two years after the package is delivered, so on February 3rd, 28-year-old Monica Kwan and her, and her fiancé, Keith Lawrence, who is 27, were found shot and killed in Keith's car, which was parked outside of their apartment. Mm-hmm. This seemed really random, but LAPD pretty immediately knew who Monica was, the daughter of a man named Randall Kwan, a former LAPD captain who had become a lawyer. Mm-hmm. The same lawyer who represented Christopher Dorner in his appeals of his 2008 termination. Weird. So this guy had been representing Dorner and Dorner is like punishing him by killing members of his family. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. Because he felt that he had not been properly represented. So he named the Kwan family in a manifesto that he later posts on Facebook, confirming that he like was the suspect in their murders. It was like pretty obvious real quick who had done this because he essentially told on himself on Facebook. Oh my fucking God. Okay. In his post, he wrote that Randall Kwan had failed to adequately represent him and was instead operating in service of the LAPD rather than his client. He also named other officers and staff calling out specific acts of retaliation against him after he reported his training officer Evans um, and other incidences of like, racism and bad experiences he had at LAPD in this manifesto. At this point, a massive manhunt begins and security detail is dispatched frantically to potential targets because he's named a bunch of names yeah, and it's kind of all over the place. And like some of the people he's calling out for harm that they've caused within the department and some he's naming and saying, these are the good ones. Like these are people who try to do the right thing. And so he's it's kind of all- trying to do a burn book. Yeah, but he's and it's, acting so fucking crazy that you can't distinguish. Well, and he's murdering like, people. The actual, yeah, you're, like, you can't distinguish like actual legitimate accusations from like hit the rantings of a madman. Oh yeah. Were. Oh yeah. 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 So Dorner checked into a military hotel. So this is either the night of or like the day after he killed Monica and Keith. He checked into a military hotel called Naval Base Point Loma in San Diego on February 5th, so the day after, or two days. Yeah, whatever, 5th. But this wasn't flagged because word of mouth, like, or, like, word hadn't reached everywhere. This, like, random hotel fucking hours away from L.A. where, like, this shit happened had not spread about this guy. So no one was like, oh, that guy with that ID and that name checked into this hotel. Let's call the cops immediately. No. So he snuck out before checkout takes off. We just know after the fact that he was there for the night. Mm-hmm. On February 7th, so he's been running for a couple days now, officers received a lead from a man reporting having seen Dorner at a mm-hmm. gas station in Corona, California, and gave a vehicle description. Officers uh, look for the vehicle and start following who they believe to be Dorner. His description matches and the vehicle's description matches. He's still driving his own car, so he hasn't even ditched his vehicle yet. When the car they're following abruptly stops, Dorner gets out and opens fire on the officers that are tailing him. One officer was struck, but neither received life-threatening injuries. Dorner fled and made his way to Riverside, California, which didn't your guy go to Riverside, California? Sure did. With Yeah, yeah. that guy in the beginning. Oh, sorry. Yep. So I'm thinking of similarities in both cases. The one that happened a couple days ago happened in Riverside. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he encountered two officers who were stopped at a red light. So he just pulled up next to them in his truck. They probably weren't even looking for him because, again, this is still hours away. And he rolls down his window and opens fire on the officers in their car. And he did hit both of them and one died due to the injuries God. in the hospital later. Uh, Officer Michael Crane died oh. in that shooting. So now Have three people are dead. So fucking sad. Yeah. Yeah. The other officer underwent surgery for his injuries and recovered. A couple of hours later, outside of San Diego, Dorner went to a shipyard and tried to talk a boat owner into handing over his boat so he could go to Mexico. Mm -hmm. Like, this guy is (laughs) not... Did it work? No, it did not work. (laughs) But this also makes you wonder, it's like, okay, what the fuck is going on in this guy's head right? He's not himself yeah. because yeah. he also this as is an a officer, psychotic break yeah yeah as a police officer he's not gonna immediately ditch his car if he's running away from a double homicide and you know like he's still using his own id checking into a hotel for only for the military so it's like our navy or whatever so it's not like he could really fake that anyway he's gonna try to talk someone into giving them his their boat like none of this makes sense yeah no it's very fucking weird so doesn't get the boat. Donner leaves the area. Out or Dorner, excuse me. Hours later, Dorner's truck is found by a local in a remote location near Big, Big Bear Lake, smoldering from being set aflame. So he ditched his car in like the middle of the woods, lit it on fire, and took off on foot. Wow. Th- this part is so insane. I can't. So this is the same day as Febru- February 7th where cops get the tip. And they, like, know what car they're looking for. There's, like, whatever it's called, an APB or whatever out for mm-hmm. this specific car. Mm-hmm. Same day, February 7th, before the truck was found burned, there's a vehicle description out for officers to be on the lookout for a dark gray 2005 Nissan Titan. This is the car that uh, he was in. That is he later the sold- most boring car of all time. I know. He later stole a car. <laughs> I know I wrote that in my notes. That's jumbled up. So he's in this car. Officers fucking shot multiple people. Innocent people because they had mistaken their vehicles as Dorners. Right. Wow. One incident occurred. This is so fucking sad. I, okay. One incident occurred at 530 in the morning on the 7th when an officer opened fire on the back of a light blue Toyota Tacoma (laughs) and hit both occupants driving 71-year-old Emma Hernandez the fuck? and her f- and her 47-year-old daughter Marjorie Carranza who were doing their morning paper route. You don't get to just fuck. fire on a vehicle no. that you think a suspect is in without stopping them? You don't You just open fire into the That's back of terrorism. their car. Terrorism. This is You're this just is, firing on innocent people. This yep. is the Brianna Taylor case all yep. over again. You don't just get to fire and disc- shoot indiscriminately. Guns, yeah. Fucking deadly weapons indiscriminately because mm-hmm. you think a suspect Maybe. is there. Yeah. That's not how it fucking works. Cops claimed they thought it was Dorner because it was driving slowly with the headlights off. Neighbors explained they always drove this way on their paper route because it was like a small, a little community mm-hmm. and they don't want to wake the neighbors with the bright lights of their car. Mm-hmm. So like all the neighbors knew who they were. All the neighbors knew that this was the deal. And that it was a courtesy for them to drive with their Correct. lights off. Yep. Ugh. Both women survived. Thank God. 
Same morning, less than 30 fucking minutes later, officers in another department participating in the manhunt opened fire on another vehicle, a black Honda Ridgeline being driven Jesus, by a they're white not even male. The same make, let no alone color. model. Color. Both, both of the cars were not the same make, model, or even color and didn't have a driver anywhere near fitting the description of the suspect. Great. Not even fucking close. What is, what is wrong with these? I What? Isn't it so absurd? Uh, so this Honda Ridgeline was being driven by a white man named David Perdue, who was on his way to the beach to go surfing before work. While he wasn't hit by bullets, he did crash his car in the shooting and suffered injuries that fortunately he made a full recovery from. Emma and Mar- uh, and Margie, excuse me, were paid a $4.2 million settlement from the LAPD, and David was paid $1.8 million, which, remember, all comes out of your tax dollars. And I bet you those officers were not fired. That is the biggest thing that needs to be reformed. Kenyon, yes, I agree. It's one of the fucking biggest things that needs to be dealt with because it's it like, just allows them to run rampant on yeah, our exactly. fucking Exactly. If you made them actually yep. Pay the consequences yep. of their actions, then yep. they would. Because you know they couldn't get. We've up. talked about this. They couldn't fucking get insured. No, right, so, right. Fuck no. And uh, Lucy, I forgot what you said. I was going to respond to it. That it was this taxpayer money to just go, and and they probably weren't fired. Right. Yes. Okay. That's what I was going to respond to. I I don't have the names of these officers. I didn't dig deeper because I was too busy like screaming at, during that part. So I don't know, but I would be willing to bet they weren't. They were put on administrative leave pending some sort of investigation. And then either not, you know, punished at all, or maybe they had to go to another department. Cool. Fucking probably. So the manhunt expands from there. They're locking down schools. They're locking down businesses. Like, this is going nuts all over Southern California. Mm-hmm. Police posted a million-dollar reward for information leading to Don- Dorner's capture. And Christopher Dorner was named a domestic terrorist in the media by the police almost immediately, which is absolutely true in this case. And... It's important to reflect on why it's so easy to name a black shooter or a brown shooter mm-hmm. as a domestic terrorist. Mm-hmm. But when the abundance of white male terrorists do this shit, they are lone wolves and yeah. suffering from mental health issues. Right. Or it's wi- women's fault. Yep. And we know exactly why that is. And this is one of the many ways that racism plays a role in like literally everything we're exposed to. So it's just you got to point that shit out. So the manhunt continues for days. Officers even connected with police in Tijuana, Mexico to raid a hotel on a tip that Dorner had been seen there. He wasn't found. Doesn't mean he wasn't staying there. Doesn't mean he wasn't down there. But we can't confirm that. There was a lead in the form of surveillance footage of Dorner purchasing scuba gear at a store in Torrance, California. I don't have any idea if this man has ever scuba dived or has any (laughs) training scuba diving. I don't know. Uh, I also don't know why he would need it. Maybe he was going to swim to Mexico. I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) I would. Wow. Go for it. it. It's not making any sense. This this man is has snapped. Try it. Take a swing at it. (laughs) Go ahead. Good luck. Help us all out. Yep. But he had fled the area with his scuba gear uh, before officers could respond. If I can't scuba, what has this all been about? What has this all been about? Then on February 12th, so nearly two weeks after the spree began, Dorner carjacked an individual who he left unharmed, fortunately, and was chased by police because of this carjacking. 
The chase led them to a remote cabin near Big Bear Lake where they had had also found his burned car. So it's probably like his cabin or Mm -hmm. a cabin belonging to someone close to him. Mm -hmm. And that's why he has now twice been in that area Mm -hmm. where Dorner opened fire on two officers that had cornered him there, hitting them both and killing one. So now two officers have died in this manhunt. That's horrible. And I, like we said at the top, like, it is a dangerous job. And it's, like, of course it is. This shit's dangerous. Like, I can't imagine like hearing reports of gunfire from a madman and having to run towards it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But if you choose that and you're trained to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like my. Uh, Still a choice. Unlike your skin color is, is my primary point at the top. Of but course. yeah, I don't. Yes. I, I, I feel for the victims. All of the victims in this case. Yeah. I really, truly do. There's so much senseless death and senseless trauma and senseless violence wrapped up in this entire thing. And I, I mean, could it have been avoided? I always think it can be. I, I, I think that's part of having like trying to cling to a restorative justice mindset. I do think there are things we can do. Well, and to just like a f- things a, like this from happening. A functional society. Like, God yeah, exactly. forbid we expect for our like stopgap to, to work. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I mean, it's just, it's part of a bigger conversation, obviously, but like, cop or not, these people were senselessly killed. Yes, yes. And that fucking is tragic, period. Law enforcement surrounded the cabin and, and like, SWAT comes in. It's like a whole big thing. There's like helicopters, all the shit. They set up a three mile perimeter. They've surrounded the cabin. They've also put the surrounding area on lockdown orders. So, like, schools, businesses, everything. And everybody in Southern California is already on super high alert like the day earlier someone thought maybe they saw him at like a Lowe's and then the whole place was locked down for like six hours and it's like he wasn't even he wasn't even there so it's like everybody is on on mega edge yeah because of this they tried to get Dorner out of the cabin first by just like talking to him and just trying to coax him out and he refused to come out he you know had weapons he had already yeah, shot he's hunkered fucking people. down. He's hunkered down for the long haul. So they ended up using tear gas mm-hmm. and they tossed tear gas canisters. I think they just like broke a window and tossed tear gas canisters in. But those big tear gas canisters can cause fires from the heat reaction required inside to like release the gas. Mm-hmm. And so the cabin caught fire. Whoa. And this is like a known thing in the use of tear gas. Like police are trained about that. this so they yeah. should have known to, about to it. use discretion about how they use it granted it is a known risk and i understand trying to coax him out like get him out with tear gas if all of your other options have exhausted and you're trying not to just open fire on the cabin i don't think it's like a completely unrealistic tr- thing to try mm-hmm. of course um not. it's just it's part it's just weighing that risk and assessing that risk and knowing that this is a possibility. And I actually am more concerned with like the indiscriminate way that police throw canisters of tear gas into like crowds of people fucking peacefully protesting, knowing it's also a fire risk Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. it can cause fucking miscarriages in pregnant people and all this other fucked up shit. Yeah, people have all kinds of pre-existing conditions and like it's just fucking unnecessary. Right. So I don't know. In that scenario. In that scenario. Correct. So they toss it in. The cabin catches fire. Mm -hmm. The fire grows really fast. It's a cabin in fucking California. It's never raining. 
and one single gunshot is heard from inside the cabin. Officers were getting prepared to enter, but the fire had spread so intensely and then it had gotten so hot that other ammunition that was like stored inside of the cabin was exploding. So oh, it like shit. even if even if fire and again, this is a remote area. So even if fire had been able to respond soon enough to like douse the flames, you know, nothing's left in there at that point. Yeah. So you may as well just make sure it doesn't turn into a fucking wildfire and like wait it out. What are you going to do? The cabin's literally exploding. Yeah. So it would take hours for the fire to be extinguished. And once it was safe to enter the cabin, barely anything was left. Very few remains were found, but a wallet with a surviving ID with the name Christopher Dorner was found in the in the rubble. And the human remains that were gathered were uh, able to be identified by dental records as belonging to Christopher Dorner. And one single gunshot wound was discovered near the temple of the skull. So he likely saw that the place was on fire, didn't want to come out and was like, well, I don't want to burn to death. Yeah, this is it. Mm -hmm. Right. Also, he was aware he he never thought he would live to see the outcome of this. And he made that clear in his manifesto. So that was likely his plan. Fucking manifesto. Right. Right. Women never get to write a manifesto. It's literally a man. A manifesto. There you go. Be wetter, way better at it too. Mm-hmm. Oh, our writing is. I need to work on. I need to notch. create my. I need to work need on to my manifesto. work on my manifesto. <laughs> well, we do need to work on our collective manifesto. True. Oh, so we really do. <laughs> that's another another time. So there are still conflicting opinions on whether the fire was accidental or like quote unquote intentional. But if it's not a hundred percent. Again, I'm never going to side with the cop, but if it's not 100% certain that throwing the tear gas is going to start a fire, then how intentional can that really be? Really, they're just throwing it knowing the risk that it could start a fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? So, uh, quote, in a press conference, Sheriff John McMahon reiterated the claim that deputies had not deliberately set fire to the cabin. The sheriff department's Captain Greg Herbert, who led the assault on the cabin, claimed that the canisters were a last resort, saying this was our only option and adding that the potential for fire was considered. I'm surprised they even had to justify it. It's like this guy is a fucking maniac and killed a bunch of people. Like, this is like the least of our worries at this point. Right. Like, why even release a statement? You're right. I I think that there was just mounting pressure from the public because there are so many. As there really should have been. Of course. I mean, yeah, I think I think they're they're res- they're doing a press conference. They're responding to questions. They're responding to public opinion. They're responding to questions from reporters. Like it's not n- unknown information that those canisters can cause fires. So I'm sure that's mm-hmm. probably not like a totally outlandish question for any even like a local reporter to be like, was this a tactic? Blah blah blah. And they're yeah. just like, no, it got wasn't. It, got it. So. Obviously, spree killing is not the way to go in any version of any reality. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of conflicting feelings about this situation from many different communities. So as a white woman, it's never my place to speak for people of color. So I'm not going to. I'm going to finish this out by reading part of an NPR interview with a woman named Karen Grigsby Bates, who is a reporter for NPR who had been covering this story for a very long time. She's also a black woman. And she sat down for an interview discussing sort of like public opinion of this case and especially public opinion among communities of color and like why some people were sympathizing with Dorner despite the violence. 
And she said, quote, I think that one of the most interesting things about all of this is that his rant, his manifesto, sort of pulled the curtain back on the inner workings of how officers feel about the LAPD culture. And I think people will want to know more about that. I think they're going to want to know how true that is, the extent of that truth, if there's any truth to it, and what's going to be done to make corrections to this course so that they don't slide backwards into that uh, paramilitary policing that got them into such trouble and earned them federal oversight that they didn't want. So she's reflecting on mm-hmm. the like post Rodney King, yeah, yeah. All, <laughs> all early things, all the things, and then this federal oversight late '90s, early 2000s that had just kind of been quote unquote wrapped up mm-hmm. to show, oh yeah, oops, there is a lot of blatant racism here, mm-hmm. and so the community is extremely on edge as they should be. She goes on to say. They want to be a free and independent police department and communities of color want to feel that they're being policed equitably and L.A. wants to feel safe. So there's work to be done. Mm-hmm. That ends her quote. I, and to what we were discussing earlier, I also think this is a stark reminder of the damage of white supremacy and internalized white supremacy. Like it is so rare for a, a black male, a black person to be a spree killer or a mass shooter and like write a manifesto like that is so typically specifically white a like man. yeah white cr- like evangelical like cuckoo bananas christian white supremacist nationalist nationalist anti-semite racist like it's very it's usually very if if i had read this whole story and had no idea right. that he was black uh, this yeah. sounds like the whitest fucking incelist yes. shit yes ever and it makes you wonder how much he absorbed while working in the system of policing and military mm. that may have inspired this very specific kind of typically white male terrorism. Mm. So it's just like something to consider, something to noodle on. We all know the white supremacy is going to fucking kill all of us. But like <laughs> the, the the way that white supremacy is so insidious that it's also like built to internalize itself into oppressed communities and turn them against each other. Yes, it all it's all yes. it all rolls into one eventually, it all and that's horrifying. And stems from white fucking supremacy. White supremacy. But also, the fact that it overlaps so much also has to make you question, or should make you question, what your role in all of this is. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that it's all tucked into one another, and doing it's, nothing it's is still an action and a choice. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's my case. Wow. So you can understand why I, after writing it for two hours, I asked for more time. Yeah. I would have taken me days. Mm -hmm. You are a very fast writer, and I think that's very cool, and I'm very jealous of it. Thank you. It is my uh, (laughs) hyper-focus. Perfect. I have hyper-focus, too, and I still take twice as long. Listen, I wish I could clean like you. Okay, that's fair. Mm-hmm. I can't. <laughs> that's fair. I literally can't. Okay. There are so many things that I wish I could read a book like you. <laughs> I can't sit down and read a book. I are you kidding me? I haven't me? read a book in a long time. Okay, but I can <laughs> never do that. You have so many amazing qualities. You're amazing. We're all amazing. History of eggnog. Eggnog. We're all in our periods. We are. We are Special actually. thanks this week to <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah. Us. And hyper focus. Okay, we love you all. Thank you. Bye. We'll see you next Bye-bye. week. Bye. <laughs> Can you hear me? Good to have you back with us. 
I hope you don't mind that I am recording for investigative notes. It's a wax cylinder, the only thing we've found that can pick up the voices of people in your condition. My name is Owen Von Sid. I am a reclaimer. Do you know what that means? No? Well, I am sorry to inform you that you didn't make it. Please try to remain calm. The worst is over. Nothing can hurt you, not ever again. But the thing that did this to you, it is still out there. That is what we do. I wake unfortunate souls, such as yourself, hear their stories. Then my associates and I see to it that whoever or whatever did this to you is dealt with. Now, let's begin. When you are ready, tell me, how did you die? Ghost Wax is an anthology horror podcast from Far and Tall Tales Productions. New episodes releasing weekly. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! Cheers!